Welcome to the Wheel of Time podcast, where the lore hounds your guides to Randland. I'm David. I'm John, and this is our coverage of the Amazon Prime fantasy series, The Wheel of Time. In this podcast, we're going to do a scene-by-scene breakdown of Season 2, Episode 8, What Was Meant to Be, the season finale, in fact. Mm-hmm. Be sure to stick around to the end of the podcast for programming notes about our September podcasting schedule. September. I guess October. Yes. October <laughs> podcasting schedule. Spooktober. Followed by our, yeah, we're here. Followed by our White Tower segment where Alicia Sedai and I dive deep into the lore of the books. This is the last White Tower segment, by the way, but Alicia is going to join me for, join us and then mostly me for the season wrap up podcast. I'll have a few things to say on the season yeah, podcast, yeah, yeah. but I'm looking forward to getting on the, the mic with the three of us and, um, chewing it over a little bit. We're anyway, have a good time. I think so. For early access, ad-free episodes, and exclusive content, visit us at patreon.com slash lorehounds. They just did a big refresh of the Patreon brand. They made the logo into this weird little amoeba blob thing. I was like, <laughs> hey, no. okay, how much money did you spend on that redesign? Anyway, <laughs> we'd also like to ask if you're enjoying what we do, consider leaving us a rating and review. Apple Podcasts is a great place to do it as it helps raise our profile, even as far as the Aiel waste. Yeah, so we just got a nice review on the Wheel of Time feed. So that was oh, very good. nice. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, thanks. Special for the Wheel of Time, we do have a separate feed, which just got a review, and that is set up just to have Wheel of Time episodes. If you're only interested in that content, you can just stay subscribed to that channel, but we've got a ton of stuff going on on our main feed, so make sure you search for the Lorehounds. Books, we got movies, Mm -hmm. we got all kinds of stuff. Search for the Lorehounds wherever you get your podcasts, even YouTube and Spotify. Uh, We're going to be diving back into the Silmarillion and the Earthsea cycle. So there's plenty of Wheel of Time-ish stuff going on, even if we're not doing the Wheel of Time itself. Right. And we love to respond to your questions, thoughts, theories on air. So send us feedback. We're going to do a season wrap-up podcast, and that should drop in about a week. So... After, I believe, uh, well, it's going to be tonight's episode relative to the time of recording, but as soon as you see the episode, make sure to send us in some feedback uh, or head over to our website and uh, you can leave a voicemail or use the contact form over there. John, what's the email address again? W-O-T at thelorehounds.com or thelorehounds.com for the contact form. You can also post a message in our Discord server and you can head to the show notes for links to all that. The uh, Discord was hopping the last couple of days. It Things sure was, are- especially in the Ahsoka channel. But I think tonight <laughs> the Wheel of Time channel is about to light up because the episode's going to drop. Indeed. So. I think folks are excited. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's it's uh, a, a big fin- season finale. It's a big week for season finales. Yeah, we had Foundation, Ahsoka, and uh, now... Foundation's old news now. Foundation it is. It really is, does. Is last it feels year. like it feels like forever ago. Yeah, but this was Wheel of Time and Ahsoka in the same week. Yeah, big week, yeah. big week, Content and you've got Loki explosion. starting tonight, right? Oh gosh, yes, that's right. I do have to go watch that episode <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, Jean and Alicia and I are going to be doing full coverage of uh, Loki. So check Very that exciting. out. Yeah. Well, David, let's block out all the other fandoms for now. Sounds What'd good. you think of the Wheel of Time finale? Baller. It was yeah? great. I had a blast. Um, I have been pretty meh about the season so far. And I don't, was it like episode three or four? I was even questioning like, oh, can, can I stick this one out? This is going to be tough. I've got to really dig deep. Okay. And, 
find my my positivity and you know stick to you know stick you know get into the story and just and, and let it go and this episode was my favorite by far of the season it brought all of the, I think you were you had been uh, hinting at this before the what Robert Jordan does is puts a lot of pieces out on the board and then brings mm-hmm. it all together at the end of a yes. book or, or what have yes. you and it really felt that way in this episode. I mean, all the two rivers kids are back together. My rain and land are back together. We've got great twists. Um, the action, you know, the, some of the production stuff in this season is a bit, a little bit here and there. It's all been fine, but you know, it just didn't wow. you. Yeah. It didn't blow me away. There was nothing, nothing. There are parts of it that are not spectacular. And then there are parts that are. Mm -hmm. And I thought that, um, even the parts where I was like, oh, that's just one of those little cannons that they hide behind some fake crates and they send a big bloosh of fire <laughs> and air and stuff. Even that stuff didn't really bug me that much this time around. And some of the the action scenes were were pretty cool. Uh, the whole thing with Matt and his dagger and, you know, Moiraine and her like torpedoes, you know, that she sent to the ships. So it was it was good. I had a really good time. And I, oh, the other thing I was going to say was, this episode was like so D and D for me. This was complete yeah. Dungeons and Dragons, you know, with uh, fighters getting up there, archers shooting, you know, <laughs> spellcasters yeah. popping off. A lot um, of areas of effect happening. Oof, yeah. yeah, big time, big time. So you know, as a non book reader. I had a great time <laughs> and cool. it all was seamless for me. So that's, that's great. That's where I'm at. And I'm, I'm uh, thumbs up on the season. I'm like, okay, cool. Everything paid off. Everything made sense. They set up limits in the world. They set up rules for how certain things work and they stuck to those rules mm-hmm. so that they did nothing was cheap or nothing sort of became everything mean, you know, nothing means everything or, you know, whatever, you know what I mean by that. Uh, nobody jumped the gap in this exactly. show. <laughs> <laughs> nobody jumped any gaps in this show. That is for sure. So if you're not listening to Ahsoka, you won't know what that means, but just it's jump the shark just yeah, in a different, uh, in exactly. a different context. It's Fonzie in a leather jacket and a, it's Henry yeah. Linker in a leather jacket and a, and a really weird looking flotation device yep. anyway. Um, yeah. So I was happy. I was, I was overjoyed. What about you? Uh, book reader wise, you've got probably a lot to process here. I'm guessing, you know, the first time I watched it, uh-huh. I was not thrilled. Right. And, it and was you because, said so <laughs> yes. on our little private channels. It was okay. It was because there was a particular book scene that was very character focused and meaningful for me. Okay. That they n- hinted at was going to happen all season. Mm. And I feel robbed of it because okay. they just didn't do it. And they could have done it without any budget. It could have been a 10 second further conversation in an alleyway. Mm. And I was I was genuinely upset that they took it out because it was one of the moments that first wowed me in wow. the time that really got me like in on the characters that okay. made me think this is something different from Tolkien. This is something different from a lot of the fantasy soup we live in. And um, I was I was upset that it was taken out and I'll get to it. It has to do with Ingtar. Um, I'll get to it when we get there. But on second watch, going in, knowing that that was going to happen, I really, really liked the episode. I okay. thought, oh, good. Oh, cool. It's still OK. It's still on the lower end of what I liked in this season. But 
that being said, I thought this was a great season. So this I'm, this is me calling it a very good finale. You know, it's, okay. it was very good. It it was shy of great, but it was very, very good. And I okay. really enjoyed it. It was a great time. They did a lot of things from the books really well. They made some smart changes. They made ch- some changes that I wouldn't have made. Sure. And that's just what an adaptation is going to do for me. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Cool. I think that like you alluded to this, but it's something that Robert Jordan does in the books really well, which is load all the bases and last five chapters, he looks <laughs> over his shoulder from the bat and he goes, watch this shit. Right. And he, <laughs> and he, he just wins a heater. It, yeah. You yeah, know, there's a yeah. heater down the line. Yeah. yeah. He's like, hey, because I, I can't tell you how many wheel of time books I'm reading, especially the early books. They do. He does this better in the early books. And then he kind of starts to meander a little bit for a while. But in the early books, you're, you're six chapters from the end. And you're like, how the hell is he going to tie this up? <laughs> and then he's like, I got this. <laughs> There's a plan. Uh, um, nice. And it's and it always blew me away when that happened. Cool. So I'm glad that they were able to capture that, especially for a non-book reader. Right. right. Is is that they they captured that energy for you? Uh, that's interesting too, because I know you've talked, we've talked about, and and you've had some some opinions about the idea of sitting down writing your outlines and then writing your book as opposed to other writers who will mm-hmm. sit down and they'll go hmm here's character whomever in yep. whatever situation what wind it up what happens or, or you know they kind of go on a journey of discovery and yeah like, gardening think, versus outlining yeah, that's it. yep yep yeah and i guess uh, as i understand it jordan was an outliner and that i guess is a strength well he we could actually say there's a strength he was more of a gardener he was more okay. of a gardener, but he was he was kind of a mix because I think he had he had his plot points. He had Rand is a dragon. Matt's going to blow the horn of Belier. Um, you know, all these like major beats mm-hmm. together. And then he would say, but let me meander while I get there. Let me okay. take a long walk through the woods while I get there. And so that is that's his sort of hybrid method. I think he's somewhere between Martin and Sanderson. Right. Cool. Well, I mean, it it the showrunners were able to recreate that effect in this episode. None of the coming backs together felt forced or, you know, uh, uh, I didn't see the hand of the writer in, in really much of any of this. The only thing maybe was like, how did Lanfear know to get Maureen and Lan to the right place at the right time? But Hey, mm-hmm. that's Lanfear. So, you know, it, it's yeah. it's all good, um, yeah. It it felt it felt natural and it felt like a appropriate coming back together in this moment. Yeah, I think that was one of my major nitpicks, which is I still think that the reason I don't like that Rosamund Pike was cast as Moraine is that it seems like sometimes the writers feel the need to have the plot serve her instead of the story. Hmm. And it's not her fault. This is not Rosamund Pike's fault. But I think that when you have a big budget actor, when you have a big name actor, you're going to want her to do something in the season finale when she really wasn't there in the book. And quite honestly, you take her out of this. You could have given that role to anybody else. You could have had Elaine channel mm-hmm. into the into the or Egwene rather channel into the Shanshan boat. Right. And on un, shield Rand. Right. Um, you could have had anybody do. I mean, it would have been a cool display of power for Rand to do the dragon symbol. Right. You know, there's all these things in the books of is he going to remember how to do things from his past lives? Right. Mm-hmm. Bring that in. Have him remember how to make the dragon symbol in the sky. I think um, I think 
Rand, his his powers have been a little bit nerfed in the show. Okay, in favor of having a, a more ensemble cast, and in a way, I like that. Like, I like that we're developing the Emmons Field Five a lot more, mm-hmm. and I like that we've brought in Elaine and developed her really early and and Avienda, but. I, I I still think that we're making a mistake here by putting so much attention on Moraine. Mm-hmm. I still think that the and I want to save this for a season wrap more, but I still think that the whole stilling fake stilling plotline was a disservice to the show. I think it it dragged and it it didn't actually give you anything. Okay. Um. So I they yeah were... I, I I think that's my that's my biggest macro criticism of the show okay. right now. I think we definitely have to save that for the season wrap conversation because there's yeah. um, there's I can see reasons why as a writer, a writer would want to do that. But I also did suffer under the never ending. And then there's a couple of other characters where you're just like, oh, dear Lord, get over yourself and get on with it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. and whether that's writing or that's really what the character is supposed to be, it's kind of hard to tell sometimes. Right. So, right. But, cool. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm good to go if you want to get into stuff. Let's do it. So our quick production notes, you probably know this if you're here by now, but you've never read the books. I have read the books. Um, We have screeners, so we are recording this ahead of time. You'll be getting this the day the episode comes out. Uh, We're not going to spoil ahead with the books. We will make comparisons with things that already happened. I will definitely be making comparisons on this episode because there were a couple changes that I was not cool with. And there were some changes that I thought were smart. So I'll, I'll talk about both sides of it. Cool. Um, and then stick around at the end of the podcast. After the music plays, we will talk spoilers with Alicia. So don't worry. We will give you very a ton of warning before we do book spoilers. All right, David. Yes. Let's get into the episode. Let's do it. 3,000 years ago, the dragon Luz Theron Telamon seals Ishmael in an attempt to break the cycle of the wheel. He tells Ishmael he sealed the rest of the Forsaken, too. Ishmael pleads for freedom, but Luz Theron completes the ritual. So this was interesting from the fact that we're getting this ancient history, right? This I'm trying to remember. I apologize. Uh, season one, they did like a they did flash. the same thing. The season finale, they did it. Okay, and was it mm-hmm. like a cold open? Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, so can I ask? This seems a- to be a style. Quick question for you. This I'm just a quite a quick segue. Well, it's kind of after this scene. Have we just not been watching the opening? No, uh, they didn't do it until this episode. That's crazy. Yeah, that's, so I, that's why I made this air. a full bullet point in our. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. There it is in the outline. <laughs> full title sequence. Okay. So let's save it for a second. We'll we'll jump forward there. We'll we'll get to that when we when we're ready. Um, yeah. So I thought it was interesting to give us this. Uh, time uh, timey wimey it's not timey wimey it's just a you know this broader picture that hey yeah, this yeah, is yeah. not just here's the last time this happened yeah and i think it has uh, weight uh, you know it carries the ki- right kind of weight for this ending when all of these plot mm-hmm. threads are, are coming together so it gives the what happens in this episode a little extra context a little extra gravity a little extra velocity um and and, and alicia talked at length alicia and i talked at length about is ran different from loose third when we look at mm. the full series okay um cool. so yeah stick around for the white tower if you want that and the the diction and the language that they were speaking didn't feel forced or fake sometimes mm-hmm. you can stumble it's really hard sometimes to make a 
I'm guessing this is a made up language or, you know, what it's it, the old tongue. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, some and how much language. is that documented within the, it's not tongue? like, it's not like Elvish. It's okay. more like Dothraki in Game of Thrones where they probably right. hired Klingon somebody to develop and, this. Right. Right. There's like a core, um, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So it, it sounded really natural and convincing. So I, I like that. It, yeah. it can be really hard to pull that stuff off. Yeah, it was good. Honestly, when I watched my second thing, I forgot that they were speaking in the old tongue the first time oh, nice. because I was into it the first time. I was like, they were. I thought they were speaking English the first time. Very cool. Yeah, but I, I like this. I think that it sets up one the relationship between yes. Luce Theron and mm-hmm. Ishmael, which sort of is mirrored later when Ishmael has Rand up in a corner. Yep. Um, and then it also, you know, it, it leads into Moraine saying, "Yeah, they were they were besties." You know, mm. just just right. uh, it was cool. It was cool. I liked it a lot. I noticed too that all of the channels that were standing around, they all appeared to be uh, male. Yes, I think that's true. So Luz Theron led only male channelers to defeat mm. the Dark One because the women said, this is stupid. This is a dumb okay. idea. <laughs> and um, that's why only the male half of the source was tainted. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that when the Dark One was being sealed away, reached out and was like, all right, I'm going to touch the force that's sealing me. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's tainted. So the the female side of the force, <laughs> the force of yeah. the one power. <laughs> you could tell we've been watching Ahsoka. Yeah. Of the one power, Sidar was just not there. And that's why mm-hmm. the Dark One wasn't able to taint it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So anyway. good, good way to start the episode. So yeah. yeah so title sequence. <laughs> What's title up Title sequence. I literally went... Is this the full title sequence when that happened? Because because we've just been getting this like sting at the beginning of every episode, not, uh, you know, between the cold open and the main episode. Now, and all of a sudden it's the full sequence, which is our theme song. Like I wrote this theme song from season one. I think the reason is I was thinking about this. It seems to be the forsaken in the intro now like that they seem to be showing the forsaken as part of the images of the intro so maybe they were like we don't want to make two intros and we don't want to reveal the forsaken early so let's just do this at the at the finale okay that's interesting so so even on here because with our screeners we don't always know what's complete what's completed the post-production what's getting what's locked for air uh with subtitles and title cards and all of that kind of stuff so i just assumed and this time they had to, there were some changes in, in the screener delivery. And I thought, oh, well, mm-hmm. maybe this is just because they had to switch up some platform issues. No, I we're... think this is the first time for real. Wow. The whole season, amazing. which is kind of insane. It is insane. But then so... again, I'd rather them use the budget for the actual show than the title mm-hmm. sequence. Fair so, enough. you know, okay, don't make a second title sequence. That's fine with me. So title, se- as title sequences go, this is so in genre with... Uh, West Worlds, The Crown, mm-hmm. Rings of Power, Rings even, of Power, yeah. totally uh, Foundation. Uh, yeah, there's just this uh, class of this animated, um, beautiful woven, and there's all kinds of clues. And and I, I to be honest, I had to to watch the episode uh, today, so I didn't really get a long chance to 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 watch it, and I had to break up my watch a little bit. And I was so taken by it, I was like, "Oh my god!" But they didn't have to go back a chance to actually analyze what's in this in the thing. So um, I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, maybe we'll save it for the season wrap up. We can we can do a little breakdown on it. 
I mean, yeah, the it, it's the wheel weaving the pattern, right? Like sure, that's yeah. the opener, which is great. I think that's super on brand for the show. I I do really like the sequence. Yeah, let's talk about it more on the season wrap when we have ch- a chance to dig into it a little bit. Cool. Uh, Dane Bornhold looks towards Falm from afar. His father, Jeffram, plans to attack against the Shanshan. Dane questions his father, who reaffirms his decision, but denies the prophecy of the dragon reborn. So I got a. So there's a few parts of this show, this episode that confused me about the sequence and some action stuff. Nothing broke me out of story, and I didn't ever have a problem getting back into story when a question popped up. Mm-hmm. But this was, again, a big question. I just have this ongoing question with these white cloaks and how are they just sort of floating around these various kingdoms doing all this stuff and what some, some call went out for help and they're the only ones who showed up. Okay, fine, fine, fine. I thought it's a really interesting twist to have kind of rooting for the white cloaks. <laughs> to, to, I know. Yeah. To, yeah. To, that's good. Right. You know, to fight against the Sanchin, you know? Yeah. So. Same thing happens in the books. You're like, Oh, but I want the, people I hate to win and it's right. It's tough. Yeah. And that's, that's the cool parts about the wheel of time is when it makes you see things from different points of view like that. Right. Right. So, and, and Bornhold Joffram, I should, I should call him. I don't know if it's Jeffram or Joffram, but okay. uh, Jeffram, Joffram daddy, daddy Bornhold cool. mm-hmm. um, is, uh, is he's right. He's largely right about all this stuff. He's like, they're slavers. They're evil. And if no one else is going to deal with this, we need to. You know, we have a moral imperative to do this because <laughs> out of the mouth of a, you know, guy who'd be more than happy to string up an Aes Sedai. Uh, well, and, and but live Jeffram, there if you recall, right. Yeah, he's a moderate. Was kind to mm-hmm. he's a moderate. And really, it's the questioners uh, who, right, which okay. are like Valda, who are really, really radical in this. The, in this um, what do we call the 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 sort of the zealots? Uh, the mm-hmm. zealot uh, uh, of the of the organization of the order. What I don't know what to call them. I don't know how to. They're the children of the light. Okay, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> so it was, yeah. I, I think we had some conversation in the Discord earlier in the week too, where folks were examining the Sanchin, and we were talking about, you know, moral relativism, and you know how mm-hmm. societies, how we gauge societies, and how we judge them, and you know when things are wrong, they're wrong, and so to have a white cloak say the same chin are wrong and we're going to fight them. But yo, dude, you're the, you're the same dude doing some other stuff. Ah, what do I do here? Uh, right. I it was think, great. Uh, it was great. It was really good. I think the Shanchin are more formidable. And so we root for the underdog in this situation to wipe out the more formidable one. I think Plus that's they're uh, out external. Tr- they're, they're an external force as opposed to an internal thing. Right. Yeah. I think, I think so. They haven't really gone into the politics of it and I don't know if they will, but basically the white cloaks have always been there for a really long time. There's like a white cloak Bible that was written basically by somebody and it, and it started the whole tradition. And They've kind of been really annoying to all the kingdoms <laughs> around them, but yeah, I can see why <laughs> they've kept, but they've kept their nose out of trouble enough that people mostly tolerate them. Mm-hmm. And it's only it's only when they go nuts that that people kick them out, and then they don't mm-hmm. kick the whole people out. They kick like the the factions, the factions that uh have problems and um recently i think 
they've gained more influence for certain reasons in where in their home, they do have like a home base okay. and they've gained a little bit more influence there, which has allowed them to pop up more often. Got it. Okay. Yep. And we will see if they develop the white cloaks any further. There is more development in the books. That's why I want to. Sure. I, I, of course. I, I'm going to tease that without telling you anything about it. I don't doubt that we're going to get more white cloaks. They're a useful plot device, mm-hmm. if I can say that. They're a, I could see them, you know, uh, weaving, you know, I don't know yeah, whether we are, get fully into them and have a POV from them or they're this element that's out there that keeps, you know, adding random bits of drama. Um, yeah, I can see the wheel weaves. There you go. The wheel weaves. Lanfear, speaking of wheels weaving, Lanfear leads the group through the ways and tells Moraine to raise the banner when the time comes before pushing her and Lan through a door a distance from Falm. <laughs> Lanfear tries to win Rand's trust and transport transports them away from Machin Shin. I uh, am liking this version of Lanfear. I wasn't so much into the SM headdress Lanfear, but I love the <laughs> uh, suave you know, big, uh, I don't know what you call those sort of tuxedo coats with the big lapels <laughs> and everything. She's just looking great. And she's um, taking charge and <laughs> knocking Moraine around. It was yep. really, and and dispensing wisdom, like, you know, telling mm-hmm. truth, um, but telling truth from this, from her point of view and from her mm-hmm. motivations. But damn, if it's not compelling and damn, if she doesn't roll high on her charisma checks, <laughs> I yeah. would have a hard time. Yeah. She she does like rant. I mean, you can see she's kind of she's starting to tip her hand a little bit to something that I wanted to say all season, but it's really hard mm-hmm. is that she's sort of suggesting to Rand Maybe there's a third way here. Mm. Right. Yeah. Yep, maybe yep, there's yep. a way. She's sounding very reasonable the light in the dark. Mm. Right. Um, and, I, and I think that that is a dangerous thing for Rand to hear. Right. 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 And we can't you know, trust is, any of the forsaken. Sure, Period. and Ishmael is like, "Hey, join the dark," and he's like, right. "Of course, I'm not going to join the dark." But when Lanfear goes, "Join the gray," I don't know. Mm-hmm. She's looking pretty good in that outfit, right? Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> she just rolled a nat twenty on her uh, charisma. <laughs> well, check, it's not so. just that. It's like it's like she's making some good points of you've been used by all these people. Aren't you right. tired of it? I'm Aren't the only one who actually cares about you. Not about the dragon, not about all this other stuff, but about you, uh, Rand, all whatever. What's Rand's full? Rand Althor. Rand Althor. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Which is Arthur. Ah, okay. Got it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's it's tricky. It's tricky. And I I really like Lanfear. She's a big schemer. She is kind of a wild card because you don't know what she's going to do next. Whereas a lot of the other Forsaken, they scheme, but they're so much more pure evil most of mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. that it's it's just kind of it, it lanfear is such a gray character that i love her she's they gray cast at, her so yeah, well too. yeah gray in her demeanor i would say mm-hmm. yeah i'm 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 digging this this version of lanfear for sure and did you like how she was like why are you whining about the black wind you know <laughs> it only almost killed you last time right she's so she's just sort of she's so she has such a, she's so powerful 
Mm-hmm. And when she sort of looks down at mundane people and and their little petty little problems, right. you know, it's just and but she's also understanding in a way, weirdly. So I don't know. I love it. It's all good. Yep. All right. Perrin, Avienda, Bane, and Shiad travel toward Falm, and Perrin tells Hopper to stay behind. Right. Yep. Just kind of set up. Yeah. This this scene, this whole episode was really hard to break down because there were so many like. And here's right. where these people are. So right. I sometimes sometimes I combined it. Sometimes I was like, eh, not enough happens in between. So okay. Anyway, yep. Let's just move on to Lanfear, who tells Ishmael she brought Rand to Falm, to which he says they're not ready. Lanfear says Ishmael is just stalling, and it's time to get things moving. But Ishmael says Rand won't choose them. Lanfear says she's going to help Rand kill Ishmael to earn his trust. So uh, it was interesting to finally see a little bit, learn a little bit more about Ishmael's actual plot and what this, and starting to see the shape of it. It's like, okay, why is he bringing all the kids together and what he, what is he trying to do? And he's trying to um, win uh, Rand on the merits, but in a, in a, mm-hmm. in a devious kind of way, he's, 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 trying, he's to, trying to beat him into submission, right? Right. He's, by he's by showing him the futility him. of it all. Yeah. Right. He's trying yeah. to turn him into a nihilist. Right. <laughs> Say what you want, but at least, uh, well, I, I was going to pull a, uh, a uh, Big Lebowski quote, but I can't quite okay. pull it off. So I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Well, anyway, yeah, Ishmael is very into like, I'm just tired, guys, and I want to convince Rand that he's also tired and yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. just shut it all down. Power off the PC. And uh, yeah, so it, it it was nice to to bring all of that together, and then to see this um, setting up for the double, you know, the double fake out, double cross between mm-hmm. Lanfear and and Ishmael, and and that I think what happens here plays out nicely at the for the end of the episode when we realize that you know there are games within games between these between the Forsaken. Yes. Absolutely. And I mean, you you actually they settled a point of contention from our discord at the uh-huh. beginning of this episode, which was people were asking, I guess not contention, but p- point of confusion, which was people were saying, well, if the wheel stops, does time become linear or does everyone die? Mm-hmm. And I said, I think that they have already said this in the show. So I everyone dies. Like, to my understanding, everyone dies. The, the world, the existence ceases, right? There is right. no more reality. And when, when, uh, loose there in a ceiling Ishmael, he goes, you know, all our friends are going to die. Everyone we care about is going to die. And he's like, yeah, that's the point, buddy. Like, that's what I want here. We, we all need to stop suffering. Right. So, yep. yeah, I mean, it's, it's a dark and also understandable motivation of Ishmael, which makes him a cool villain. Yeah, it's um, it's that weird Thanosian thing where mm-hmm. uh, I am so motivated by this point of view that I had that I I, I I'm going to carry this out no matter the cost, mm-hmm. and it's for the good of everyone. And it's like, yep. well, but we didn't get a chance to actually right, have a conversation right, right. about this. We don't know that this is necessarily good for us. So right. But Ishmael's soul, like he is destined to constantly be the adversary every right. single time. Right. And he hates it. He's so done with it. Sure. And especially because he, done he with seems it at the to end be able this? to remember it. Mm-hmm. Right. 
which is crazy. Yeah. All right, let's go to the White Cloaks, attack the Shanshan. Nynaeve dresses her Suldan best, while Rena prepares Egwene for battle and explains the harsh, con- harsh consequences of disobedience. So this foggy charge thing, I was. Mm-hmm. this is again where one of the places where I was like, wait, what? Uh, am I supposed to know what's going on here? And then I was just like, ah, whatever. It's the Dothraki running around at night and, you know, the <laughs> well, final I, I think it was also supposed to mirror the confusion of the Shanshan, right? Like, what? what's that? We're not getting attacked, are we? Nobody's coming. Right. It, it was some desert wind, some Sirocco or, or something. Right. And, yeah, it, and is it... Is it these little boys with, uh, I forget what those little incense um, swinger things are called. Those things have a name. Um, or is it because the horses are running or or what? Whatever. I don't know. I'm probably yeah. the horses. I mean, it's pretty pretty dusty over there. I think it's I think pretty the, easy I, to kick it up. A little bit of both. But anyway, their surprise attack work. Fine. I, I'm good with it. Yep. Yep. All good. Didn't get a chance to put the Demane out right away. Right. Exactly. Speaking of Damani, we've got a couple of situations to deal with here. Mm-hmm. Um, this- I saw you getting into Nynaeve uh, and her <laughs> sold on best. I mean, the, the torture scene comes later, so you could save that. Okay. But right. she is certainly right away like, ooh, I look good, don't I? Well, and uh, Elaine gives her a little smoky eye touch up there. Yeah. <laughs> <That was laughs> you got to look the part. Yeah. And boy, the I apologize. The actress who plays uh, Nynaeve, she just Zoe Robbins, I believe. Thank you, Zoe Robbins. That's right. Zoe Robbins just plays that wounded, um, uh, like I'm so uncomfortable in my own skin uh, vibe so well, but yet so angry and so ready to Hulk smash everything. Yes, (laughs) you know, going from this vulnerable, like oh, I feel uncomfortable. But uh, give him, you know, put me before my enemies so I can smash them. I heard that the actor actually method acted and didn't unclench her knuckles since they started filming. What? I'm <laughs> oh, just kidding. Okay. I'm just I was kidding. like, what? So, uh, and there's some great setup for the whole uh, Adam mechanics, right? So they mm-hmm. they're they're laying out different mechanical bits. And they, we have a rule set and they stick to the rule set. I never felt like, okay, these things are magic, but they're not magic that, hey, the writer, we can do anything. We can make anything Exactly. Happen. Exactly. There's, you need me- rules. Yes. You need limits. It doesn't need to be hard rules. In this world, I think it does need to be hard rules because that's just what they've trained you to have. Mm-hmm. But And there are hard rules about everything in the Wheel of Time. But um, in the in Ahsoka, that's one of the things that frustrated us was we felt like there were no limits on a lot of these things. Right. And then nothing means anything. So mm-hmm. uh, and the beginning of this scene, though, with Egwene, the whole Egwene storyline up until well, even all the way through is so freaking uncomfortable and yeah. so disturbing and they carry it. So this is what I mean. There's like parts of the show that when they, when it hits, it's, it's great. And then there's other parts where well, it's a little mushy here, you know, mm-hmm. what have you. And this whole Egwene, uh, Soldom thing, Damane thing was so well played out and so well mm-hmm. acted and so well constructed. It was just, um, and so just damn disturbing. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's true horror. When yeah. that happened in the book, I couldn't believe it because I mm-hmm. couldn't believe that you would make a POV character into a slave that's being tortured. Right. And it's it's shocking and it continues to be shocking through the whole time. And 
I think through the end of this episode, it's still shocking. Yeah. And then her having her cut her hair like that, you know, that was a, a great little twist and, you know, sort of a, I'm going to demoralize you. I'm not ready yet to, to physically mm-hmm. punish you, but I'm going to psychologically demoralize you. So, and for Egwene, that hair was very meaningful. That was her last exactly. ride to the two rivers, right? That exactly. was her braid she got when she became a woman. Exactly. And this whole thing with the dagger and the mouth, ugh, it was just really, really filmed um, beautifully and convincingly. So, yep. yeah, kudos. Real bad stuff. Real bad stuff. Ishmael, that we like to, is- <laughs> that we like. The <laughs> real yes, bad stuff yeah, that yeah, we yeah, enjoy yeah, watching. Yeah. Oh, what's wrong with us? Yeah. I'm going to do a combined scene here. Ishmael tells Pat and Fane they need to push Rand's friends to the dark, and Fane tempts Matt with the dagger from Shadar Lagoth. Fane is certain that Matt will take the dagger and tries to convince him to embrace the darkness within him. When Fane leaves, Matt stares at the dagger uncomfortably. So fun to see Pat and Fane back again. Yeah, he's so much more unhinged in the books, and I hope Mm -hmm. we get there with him. But right now, he's kind of just a normal baddie. Right. He runs away, doesn't he? So he's still in play. Yeah, he's still yeah. in play. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, I couldn't remember. He's a well cast and and this Matt is settling in, I think, nicely. I think the um, there's a, the different emotional vibe that he has of dealing with this dagger and this way of being, you know, there's an addiction that he's dealing with. And this actor plays it a little bit differently than the other one. And I think it's working for me. So I'm, I'm I think I'm, I'm into this Matt actor. I'm good. Yeah. I'm, I'm warming up to him. Okay. He's not, he's not fully there yet for me. I think again, he didn't have enough to do this season. He had a little bit here and there. He had a big scene this episode, but sure. Yeah. And I think, I think he did well in that scene in the, yeah. in the horn scene, especially. Um, but I, I just want to see him kind of just live in life a little bit more. Because mm-hmm. that's where Matt shines is when he's in the pub with a friend goofing around. And I think that's exactly what this actor doesn't have is that puckish yeah. uh, character yeah. to him. So, yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. He hasn't had too much of an opportunity yet. Hasn't he hasn't he hasn't missed? I'll, I'll say it, it hasn't. He hasn't broken it for me. So. So in the next scene, it was a pretty quick one, but Nynaeve essentially tortures the location of Egwene out of <laughs> <laughs> out of the uh out of the Suldam. She likes it a little bit too much and Elaine kind of notices, right? I think Elaine yeah. is like, "Uh, oh, naive, let's not." <laughs> yeah. And uh, again, more setting of the rules uh and and getting us into uh what this hor- horrific device is. It's it's really kind of horrible. Uh but yeah, I Nynaeve, Nynaeve, one small complaint for this season, there's two characters that I just didn't feel like they had good arcs, if they had any arcs at all, Mm -hmm. and that's Nynaeve and Perrin. They just were really flat for me, and I didn't see growth where like, Egwene goes through something, you know, Matt goes through something. Um, Rand goes through something. Mm-hmm. So, well, just, Nynaeve had her moment early in the season, right? She had that whole. Oh, that's true with the arch. The whole Terangriol thing. I think that was yeah. plenty for her arc. Yeah, I suppose so. But she just still has the brooding. She didn't come out of the brooding shell, um, and and it, she just brings that into this same that same energy into this uh, into this scene. So, yeah, 
I agree with you. I think uh, I think Perrin, you have a, a, a more full criticism of because he he really did not have a lot this season other than meeting Elias and right. and uh, the Aiel, which it's it's bringing characters in, but it's not really changing Perrin fundamentally. Right. All right. So let's move on to Moraine and Lan finally talking about their feelings. And Moraine says she knew he was always her better. Moraine gives Lan the bond back. <laughs> right. Can I ask you something? Because Alicia and I were debating this. Do you think that the bond was severed at some point and that she was rebonding him? Or do you think that this was her unmasking it? That's a good question. Um, not being as versed in the lore, it's hard for me. I want to be very careful to say that this is a very uninformed opinion. It's just that an opinion. But it really did feel like she rebonded, didn't she? The with the yeah, whole magic. The thing. visuals all seem to say that. Yeah, uh, it, it felt like the, uh, a re a re reconnection. Uh, so, did the bond get cut because the shield that she he she had put shields on her? definitely don't break the bond, which okay. is why. But a forsaken think, shield versus yeah, it should operate the same. There's okay. nothing. There's nothing from the book lore, at least, that would suggest that the bomb would have been broken by that. Okay. Um, but we know that she had him masked beforehand, so maybe this is just a fancy way to unmask. Right. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. I they don't had know. to have their moment on the beach. Yeah, <laughs> we had to have some. They were definitely about effects. to make out. I said this with Alicia too. <laughs> like, uh, they were very close to each other's faces there. But yeah, yeah, it was. It was. It was good. I thought this was a nice little cute scene with them. And I, it, it worked on me. I had feels uh, before the magic started happening. Just the actual two characters, you know, before the magic, uh, mm -hmm. I got some good feels. And um, I guess, yeah, actually hearing her say that you were always my better because she can't lie. And so, mm -hmm. if you don't constantly keep that in mind, that the I said I are constantly choosing their words very carefully. Yep. That her saying, you know, you were never my equal. Yeah, on surface, oh, that stings. That that really hurts. But that's not what she said, right? <laughs> right? right? Like the meaning right. and the words don't match up. Right. And you've got to always keep that in mind mm -hmm. when you're when you're watching Isidai or listening to Isidai. So, for her to then say you're you're my better, um, and it was just they acted the hell out of the scene, and I I was pretty satisfied with it. For the record, I did say that they were going to backtrack that later in the season when mm -hmm. they uh, when they did it. I said they were they were going to do that. That was something right. I called early. Okay, well but, here's your internet points. Uh, here's your you. here's thank your box you. of cereal. Again, I I still hate the plot line of Marine yeah. Stilled and Cranky. <laughs> I'm not going to relitigate it now. Let's just move on from it. Right. Um, this was a pretty good scene standalone, I think. And I liked them being out in this big wasteland with the drone shot flying around them and giving us some close-ups. So kudos on the camera work. Kudos. It looks like they're – I don't know if they're on location or not. It feels very location-y. So yeah, the, all, all the Lost stuff. remake is looking pretty good. Um, <laughs> yeah, they. there was something – there was an AMA with – Rafe Judkins, a showrunner, where he said they shot on location at, I don't remember the actual location, but it's a very specific location that is very rarely shot at. And right. so it felt unique and they wanted it to feel unique. Yeah. I mean, to get this kind of beach scene with this kind of light and 
this, you know, you have to be so careful with your timing and daylight, you know, and catching that, you know, the tide and the day of time, yeah. a lot of planning involved in there, assuming that they're on location. So yeah, kudos. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's time to go to Perrin and Perrin finds uh, Perrin and friends. Sorry, this is right. the Perrin crew. Perrin and friends find Ingtar and Loyal who have retrieved the Horn of Valir. Ingtar urges the group to escape with the horn, but Loyal tells them it's time to act <laughs> like the heroes of another <laughs> ages legend. Did you did you cringe at this line? No, I did. Uh, Okay. <laughs> I thought that this was the worst dialogue in the season. I'm not going to argue with you there, but I'm also not going not going to say that it knocked me out. I think at some point right around here is when the D&D of it all got to me and I was like, "Okay, here we go. Let's go." <laughs> and, you know, the heroes are reunited and, you know, we've got badasses all around. Let's go, you know, let's go fight. And that they just meet each other on a random street in this big town when, you know, when there's a big white cloak attack, it's all preposterous, but you know what? Well, poured out a bowl of cereal and just went along for the ride. It's preposterous, except the pattern wills it to be right. Sure. There is, there is a, uh, a force pushing important players together. These Tavira together to do what they need to do to solve the problems of the end of the sage. Okay. So you got to remember like as every time there's a convenient plot point, you could actually pretty pretty handily <laughs> hand wave it away. Right. Yeah, and say, force. well, the wheel yeah. wills it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. And, I, and just, you know, this from the action of the scene, you know, it's like, Oh, we're just walking down the thing. I, it was all, there was something so campy about this whole scene that I think my brain flicked into, oh, okay, campy fantasy. This is groovy. You know, three badass women with like spears sticking out of their backs and, you know, guys who have clearly, because there's a whole bunch of stuff. How did they get the horn? Many they, people will wake from the dream tonight. Yes, exactly. Um, time to act like heroes. How the hell did they get the horn? Like, the, Are there scenes that just not didn't make it out? Uh, well, Turok died. Editing? I guess. I guess that happens in the next Later. scene, but uh, yeah. in a couple scenes from now. But yeah, um, he's distracted so just, at least, right? There's there's chaos in the city. I think they have probably an opportunity to sneak in there. Yeah, but they didn't tell us that story at all. They just yeah, like, that's oh, fine. three that's dudes fine. walking down the the thing. So that's what I'm yeah. saying. It just like there there was no there's no proper setup for this, and because of all of the the campy stuff, it was just like okay, cool, let's go. Mm-hmm. You know. Fun. I guess roll some dice. Roll roll initiative. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh the Suldam bring their Damane to the top of the tower and rain fire on the white cloaks. <laughs> and much like Nynaeve, Egwene likes this a little too much. Uh I really loved the uh Suldam makeup, the way that they paint, mm-hmm. you know, half their head blue and just the whole look that they've given the Sanchan is is great. Um and, Yeah, the shots yeah, are really cool. Yeah. When when Nynaeve lets one lets one go, you can see she's really like, oh yeah, that felt that felt good. I don't like killing innocent people, but uh, it does feel good. To- <laughs> well, don't forget the white cloaks held her prisoner and tried to torture her friend last true. season. That's true. So she can has she a vendetta the against the white cloaks. Yeah, she sees the white cloaks. That's when she's like, yeah, all right, I'll throw a fireball or two. Okay. 
it's um, only later when she sees civilians that she's like, oh, maybe uh, this isn't, this a good isn't idea. so great. Yeah. So. Yeah, and yeah. some of this action was just kind of like, eh, you know, there's a little CGI stuff mixed in and, you know, different scenes and whatnot. It was just, it was fine. It was all, it was all okay. There was nothing, um, but nothing was exceptional or stellar for me about the action in this, okay. um, in this episode. Yeah, I, I liked, I liked the bombardment. I thought that was cool. And I mm. like that, unlike in Star Wars, the shots are hitting. They're landing <laughs> on people. <laughs> yes. They actually can aim and yep. hit their targets. So. Yep, absolutely. Rand then approaches Turok, who challenges Rand to a duel. Rand has no time for that and uses weaves of fire to kill everyone but the servant of Turok, who immediately commits suicide. This was, this caught me so off guard. And again, I got into camp, I was properly prepped for camp mode. So when he just lights them up and they're all just dead, I was like, Okay, we really are doing this. This is what's happening. <laughs> Let's go. Um, you know, it's funny because there's a big duel in the book. Mm-hmm. Two Rock challenges Rand. He's like, he says the same thing. Let's see how you earn the Heron mark on this side of the of the Arith Ocean. Right. And um, <laughs> Rand has a duel with him, and that's R- Rand defeats him, and that's how Rand becomes like master swordsman. Like that's how he earns his Heron mark sword. Okay. He defeats the other master swordsman. Got and it. this friend's like, bullshit, I don't have time for that. This uh, very Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, uh, you know, there's the whole scene where guy comes out with the big sword and uh, Indiana Jones just like, oh, I don't have time for this and, and shoots him with a pistol. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it had that same sort of comedy of, of big buildup and then, you know, uh, simple, uh, his kind of just so simple that it the 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 energy levels between these two things are are equalized in this wacky way. I don't know how to describe it. So but uh, you also have the tragedy that the slave of Turok feels the need to kill himself mm-hmm. to you know to honor the blood that he served. Right. Yep. He wasn't going to uh, stick around much longer. Yeah. Um so what's the deal with the hair and swords? The Heron sword signifies a blade master. Okay. That's like, if you have a Heron, Heron Mark sword, you are a blade master. You are a master swordsman. Got um, it. Rand got that sword from his dad. So his right. dad's a master swordsman. Right. Right. Okay. Cool. And then he gets the, the, the Heron burned into his hand later. Mm. That means a lot, but you don't know yet. So It's clear that they made, you know, they, they made sure that we saw that. There's more prophecies to come. Don't um, worry. Of course there is. <laughs> there's <laughs> how many 14 books? Of course there's more. Every book has like a an inscription in the front with the prophecies that will be relevant in that book. Okay. Which I think is cool, but yeah, it's uh it's there. It's there. Heron marks are going to play a part. Cool. All right. Let's go to Perrin and friends again who are ambushed and Ingtar sacrifices himself to buy them time for escape. I this didn't. is the scene that made me angry. Okay, I I will say that I thought that Ingtar's sacrifice didn't make sense. I'll, I'll I'll throw that into the mix, but here let's hear what you've got. Do you want to know why it doesn't make sense? Because you were sure. missing half the scene. Okay, there you go. <laughs> the other half of the scene is that Ingtar was secretly a dark friend the whole time, and oh. 
he decided to sacrifice himself to save the horn because he wanted to return to the light and he wanted to save, he wanted to serve the dragon reborn. Interesting. Okay. And so Re- Rand is the only one who finds this out in the book. Uh-huh. He, mm-hmm. he, Ingtar holds the alley. He's, he says the same thing like, Oh, one man could hold it against 50 here. Right. And then he's like, I told you one man could hold it against 50. You go, you go save the world and I'm going to do my best to return to the light. He basically says, you know, I, I did it to protect Shinar. I did it because I, I wanted to see my people right. not be attacked anymore. But Which I is see all now that that was wrong. With a lot of dark friends, that's how uh, Ishmael has gotten them, right? Is is that they, there's some sort of reasonable request. Um, Maureen's sister, her, Maureen's nephew, I'm blanking mm-hmm. his name. He, right? wanted he to be did king. it. Yeah, but he wanted to protect his family as well, right? So there's everybody's got reasons. And and Ishmael is good at finding out what those reasons are. Right. Ming, right? She's right. like, oh, I got to get rid of this terrible. Yeah, you know, uh, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't call gift. Min a dark friend, but she. Uh, no, she got used though. She yeah. she allowed herself to be used. For sure. So, For sure. Um, um, so yeah, you're missing that part of the Ingtar story. You could have had an extra minute with Perrin in an alleyway where mm-hmm. he t- tells him this. Now it's a meaningful death. Right. Yeah, no, otherwise it, it is. It's it there is no there's no meaning in his death because he is such a good fighter and they have a whole bunch of people with them. They and they fight even more later. So mm-hmm. yeah, it just didn't on balance it didn't make sense. So and it brings but, in this whole interesting question of if you sell your soul to the dark, can you come back to the light? Right. Right. And I and think that cost? that's a fascinating question to ask. Yeah. It's a, a really great character to see Ingtar who tries to who really tries to heal the wounds that he's inflicted. Right. And yeah, that's, no, we liked Ingtar. that's just, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really a big shame that they, that they took that out because that's, that was a scene that was really meaningful th- for me in the book. And it, it shocked me in a good way in the show, in the, in the book. And, uh, I'm, I'm a little upset that they took it out. Cause I think that, you know, again, it's not a budget thing. They could have done this with a conversation in the alleyway. So it would have been interesting I, I if, if there were, if if news about like did they film that and then cut it for some reason or yeah I don't know was it never part of the story yeah we just don't know uh, it'd be interesting to hear what especially because they hinted at it earlier in the season because they had Ingtar going to Perrin well you never know the people's reasons for going to the dark you know mm. be, you know he probably had his own reasons and so I was like was okay there so they're setting they it up to, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Because I remember I asked you, I was like, what do you think about Ingtar? And you were like, oh, I think he's very mature and balanced. And I'm like, right. I'm thinking in my head, he's a dark friend. Can't wait for that <laughs> reveal for David. And um, nope, they just they just they uh, chickened out, out of that line. reveal. Okay. All right. Bummer. Yep. Yep. Um, so that is, uh, <laughs> that was my main beef with the episode. But once I accepted that that was happening, right. I liked the episode a lot better. You can move on. All right, Moraine and Lan discuss Lanfear, Ishmael, and Luz Theron's friendship before the War of Power. Lan points out that uh, it's similar to the Emmonsfield Five, and Moraine finally recognizes Falm. Yeah, uh, I didn't have a lot of takeaway from this. This was just some more setup, and I guess, yeah, what is what is the correlation between? The Emmonsfield Five and, you know, this other deeper history stuff. Yeah, it's, it seems like they're just saying, you know, his best friends turned to the dark in his last life. Mm-hmm. Are they going to turn to the dark in this life? Okay. Although his best friends turned to the dark and didn't drag him down with them. Right. In his last life. Okay. So, so I don't know. I don't know what the point is. 
Okay. But uh, yeah, I think uh, there's certainly a strategy here of of Ishmael trying to make Rand feel alone within within the light. Right. Speaking of Forsaken, though, Lanfear meets with Bale Doman and hires him to take the rest of the seals of the Forsaken and dump them in the deepest part of the ocean. We also learn here that uh, Lanfear had sold her own Quendiar, her own uh, <laughs> Heartstone, right to Bale Doman, right to as a Moraine. right. Yep, yep. So it was nice. It tied off nicely there, and and gives us some more uh, clues to what's going to happen later. Why did Lanfear bait Moraine in if she doesn't like her? Good question. She's got to know because she was in the thing and then she's got to come out of the thing and then she's trying, but she found Rand before him. So, but if, if Lanfear wants Rand to fulfill his prophecy and to, you know, uh, declare himself at Falm. She knows that she probably needs somebody like Moiraine, but also releasing Moiraine messes with Ishmael. So I don't know. It it mm-hmm. seems it seems like um, it works on on both sides there. Um, I don't know. Didn't didn't quite line up for me of why okay. she would want to bring Moiraine in, but I think. Because because to me, before I saw this, I'm like, OK, she's using Moraine for the banner thing. Again, right. I, I still have issues with are we just shoehorning Mor- Moraine into plot lines where she doesn't belong. Mm, okay. um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't really understand why she baited Moraine back in with the Quendiar. Right. But it's also it, it also sets some space for what happens with the rest of those um, those big stone things that are. Well, and we'll right, talk the about seals. them later. Yes, yep. the seals. So, so isn't this guy uh, one of your bailed Doman? Is he a favorite of yours? I remember you talking about him. He's, in the beginning. I think he's a favorite of Elijah's. Um, okay, I I like him. He's not like my favorite ever, but he's he's a fun character. He's got this silly accent, and he shows up from time to time doing okay. his nonsense. His hat doesn't quite fit well in this. Uh, <laughs> in this, scene. no, I think that's on purpose. I think he's supposed ridiculous. to look a little bit unkempt. Right. Uh, fair enough. Cool. Yep. All right. One more plot point before we take a break. Suroth tells Ishmael Turok is dead, and the horse and the horse and the horn is taken. Uh, Ishmael says that Lanfear is working against them. He tells Surath to take her strongest Damane out to sea and await his orders. He asks if they know how to gentle a man. Yeah, she's bum, like, bum, bum. silly boy. Of course they do. Uh, right. That was, a, that was a good look. And I loved how Ishmael told the voice, just like, just stop talking. <laughs> you, you are so <laughs> out of your league right now. You just need to be quiet. <laughs> yep, yep, so. yep. Why yeah, did he, he, he was pretty he was pretty good at shutting her down, but yeah. Why did he ahead. dust his hands? What was the dust from his hands when he Maybe from the seals, since he freed all the other forsaken in this episode. Oh, so point. maybe he did it right then. That's when he did it. Okay, that yeah. would make sense. I think all that right. yeah, I think that would make a lot of sense if he had just gotten back from smashing a bunch of rocks. Right. Right. Okay. That works. All right. Well, David, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we'll resume the episode.
And we're back. Let's resume the episode. Matt MacGyver's a spear with a the dagger at its head. He uses it to cut out of his room and kill a Shanshin guard on the way out. Did you like the way he kind of sidestepped touching it? Yeah, I did. I thought it was very clever. He looked like he was playing pool at a couple of times. I've seen, you know, pool players walk around with their stick like that, you know, sizing up what they're <laughs> going to do. And, you know, yeah. it, was, it was pretty funny. Now, again, I was in camp mode. My camp mode switch was flipped. And the idea that you could just wrap some cloth around the tip of a blade on a stick and use it as an actual fighting device. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it made way no sense. far-fetched. Yep. <laughs> but again, it was like, nope, this is D&D. We're going yep. for it. That's why We're I said he MacGyvered it, right? Yeah, he rolled 20 on, on nice. dexterity, and that was that. Exactly. It was good. So, and uh, yeah, clever. Clever way to use the, the knife. And Pad Fane is just like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not having any of this. So yeah, it's that it's that <laughs> TikTok sound. Oh shit! Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, he's he's not having it. He's gonna nope. he's gonna run away now. Which means that he gets we get to have him later. So right, we're we're all aboard the fa- the fane train. Yep, fane train. Yep. Egwene sees the civilians suffering from the attacks and refuses to weave another. When another Suldam tells Rena she's lost control of her demane, Rena prepares to punish Egwene. Yep, spits out the gag thing, and uh, she's just not having it. Um, so, more setup. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I did enjoy her spitting out the gag and be like, "No, you yeah." Know, it was it was very Palpatine. No, 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 no. <laughs> the um, yeah, and again, just you know, the intensity, the the vibe between these two actors, they just acted the hell out of this whole mm-hmm. sequence between the two of them. I hope they're good friends. <laughs> yeah, right. Because <laughs> right. they really did get into the depravity of. of they're uh, either good friends master. or they hate each other. It's one or right. the other. <laughs> yeah. Nynaeve and Elaine march the Suldam through Falm just as Egwene is about to be struck by Rena. The White Cloaks bombard the tower. The Suldam is killed by an arrow, and Elaine is hidden the leg. Egwene then wakes up in the chaos of the tower with almost everyone around her dead and a spare Idom on the ground. Yeah. So I had that, to I had to combine people a little bit for this one. Right. There was a lot. Flashing back and forth here. A lot going on here. Um, so I don't know. You, you want to... Sp- Talk about the each individual little elements of this. Yeah, let's talk about the. Well, let's just split it into right. Let's just talk about Nynaeve and Elaine with the Suldam. You know, Elaine gets shot. Yep. Um, the Suldam gets killed, and and you see that Nynaeve feels it. Right. She sees. She feels it. You can see it on her face that that her Damani just died. Right. And then Elaine gets shot. Yeah. So. Um, and then, oh, the and doesn't it come off at that point too? The mm-hmm. um, the uh, what's the, the arm Adam. guard? Yeah. The Adam, yep. Um, and so that again, good setup for the rules, and uh, um, clearly it gives us the space for what happens later with Egwene. Because if we didn't see that happening, we'd be like, oh, well, that's a little, you know, little too convenient for it to just come off. We we got rules set up ahead of time. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the we know that the you know we know from Rena later that the Suldam can take off the Damane's collar. Right. Yes. Which is somebody very can. That was really interesting to learn. So right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I knew that, but, <laughs> but yeah, the first time. <laughs> well, that was a mystery. That was a mystery right. of the of the season was like when, when, who, where, how can that happen? Because we've yeah. got to get Egwene out of that. So. Right. Right. And so you don't. It, it's not just upon death that it disintegrates. You can also take it off. Right. Yep. Um, then we also have the Egwene part where she wakes up and. Uh, we saw Megan, the blue Aja sitter. Yes, right. She's dead um, because we saw her her um, collar fall off. And it's very subtle. I I missed it on the on the first watch, but as uh, Egwene is crawling up, you can see the Adam uh, retracting and then turning into the collar. And then because yes. when I saw it the first time, it was like oh, she she picks up a collar, and I didn't I didn't get that. Oh no, so yeah, yeah, they did it. There's really a whole well, little but... sequence there. Yep. Yeah, so. I liked it a lot. Um, sad that we won't see Megan again. I think uh, right, Alicia and yeah. I thought she was going to be involved in another later plot line. Mm-hmm. And uh, she will not be because she's very dead. <laughs> she seems to she be She's confirmed dead. dead. That, Indeed. This is not a we didn't see them die thing. This is the magical object told us that she is dead. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. It only comes off because of that. So fair enough. Right. Yeah, the whole bombardment of the tower too, that got a little confusing. I was like suddenly like, oh, what, they've got catapults or trebuchets? They didn't really show us that. So there's a lot of missing pieces for this attack. Uh, and then they're just sort of calmly marching through the streets at, at another point. But again, you know, um, you know, I just went with it. Yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. Anyway, let's go on to a combined scene, which is, again, tricky. Uh, Perrin and friends meet Matt in the fog of war and fight against the Shanchen together. Matt cuts open the horn's box with the dagger and is sent off by Perrin. Yeah. Uh, again, um, pretty straightforward. Using using the, the dagger in a, in a really interesting way. Uh, not, I didn't expect that either. I didn't think, oh God. Yeah, me either. Actually, that's not how they get it open in the book. It's right. It's in a box that they knew how to open in the book. So they just had this extra layer of it's locked. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it worked. I, I did really enjoy Matt's like, hold my beer. I got this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Nice for him to have a confident moment. Yeah. Oh, you need it open. I gotcha. Yeah. Matt's got it. Matt's the party guy, right? He's got the, he's a, he's the guy who can like open a bottle with their, you know, uh, wristwatch and, or something. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. He's got all these parlor tricks. Rena blames Egwene for the attack on the tower. She begins to torture her, but Egwene successfully collars her. Rena says the Idom only works on women who can channel, but Egwene says she's realized that Suldam can channel and are just weaker than Damane. Egwene hangs Rena up by the collar and tells her to free her. Rena does so. And Egwene watches her die. Rand arrives. <laughs> Great twist with Egwene collaring uh, Rena. That was so mm-hmm. good. Um, and yeah, unexpected and clever. Uh, yeah. Clever way to, to get it out. And then to have this um, uh, resolve this way to actually have her convince her to, to release Egwene. That mm-hmm. was just totally unexpected and uh, thoroughly enjoyable. 
Exactly. Yeah. So the way that they explain it in the books, which is a little bit different, is um, that Damane are people. So there's two kinds of people who can channel in Ranland. There are people who will naturally start channeling like Egwene because they're so powerful in it. And there's people who can learn to channel. But they need to be taught. They need to be like goaded into channeling. They need okay. to practice it. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like certain characters in Star Wars. Right. And, I, know. Um, I was thinking very Star Wars. But so those are the two levels. And what Egwene figures out through her time as a Demane is, well, the Suldam, because not everybody can be a Suldam either, right? So right. It's, mm-hmm. it's a talent. Mm-hmm. Why? Why are only some right. women able to do this? Oh, those are the ones who can learn to channel because they wouldn't be able to see the weaves if they couldn't channel. So all of that was there in the story in, in just very subtle ways. Uh, they didn't play it up too much. No, so when we- they wanted that twist to happen, right? Which is Egwene figures out, you can see the weave. Oh, you can channel. You can channel. Right. And so when they do the reveal, it doesn't feel like they were cheating, does it? Because you're like, oh, yeah, No, it that's feels true. inevitable now. It feels inevitable and it's consistent with the rules, which we <laughs> on, on Ahsoka, we had some problems with this very same uh, conundrum was like, wait, right, did they explain? Right. Are the rules set up clear enough so that when we do get the reveal, as you say, it's inevitable. It feels like a natural outcome. Right. Now, this has the power to shake the empire to its core, doesn't it? The, the idea that, that they're enslaving uh, people and the slavers could be enslaved just the same. Right. If you follow through with your ethos, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you're you're enslaving the wrong people. But if you follow through with your ethos, you have nobody con- to control them because only somebody who exactly. can channel can control them. Right. Right. So who controls the controlling controllers? Right. <laughs> so you're now stuck here. It, it, so that is, you're is now end, something yeah. in motion that we will see if that will play out within the Shanshin. Okay. What happens when you... When the thing that you believed is proven fundamentally untrue. Yes. Yes. It's not an easy process to go through. Right. The slavers yeah, are well, the same as the enslaved. Right. Yeah. I'm 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 just avoiding that whole conversation because it's gonna get uh, there's a there's a lot there. That's a, I know, a, I know. We've been point. chatting on the Discord. I, I yeah. know John Jean has a lot of takes about um, the Shanchen. He's not a fan, one might say. No, no. Um, I don't no, think no, any no of us are be. fans no, of the Shanchen. <laughs> it's uh it's more of a question of like what happens to this empire when you can prove that their whole their whole shtick is false. It's right. demonstrably false. Right. Right. And you can show them. Right. But just because you can show somebody something doesn't mean that they're going to believe it. We kind of lived right. through that just recently. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's so. it's uh, it's an interesting thing to put into play, I think. So uh, Rand shows up. He's finally here. Uh, and this is, I guess, um, a kind of a big moment, isn't it? Sure is. Uh, Rand finally arrives. It is a big moment. And uh Yeah. I guess he arrives just at the right moment to save right. Egwene, right? <laughs> yeah, but Egwene doesn't need saving, right? So, well, right, I, and I really like that, and it's the yeah. same. She freed the, herself. Sa- right. She didn't right, need a man right. to do it for her, and I appreciate the fact that the female characters in this aren't uh, devices to activate the men's storylines. All mm-hmm. of their storylines are their own storylines for yeah, their own I think- sakes. I don't remember who uncollars her, but it's not 
like I think Nynaeve uncolors her in mm-hmm. the book. Okay. So they had her save herself in this. I think that's great. I think that yeah. works. That's a good change. That is good for the character to have gotten herself out of it, to have really outsmarted her Sulam. And that puts her on the board in a way that not only is she a very powerful channeler, she is now, um, you know, the the education of Egwene, so to speak. She's now starting to learn to not be uh, a kid from two rivers. She's now in the game. She knows mm-hmm. she has the beginnings of, of playing. The day is day more, the great game, right? Yes, exactly. It's just like Sansa learning, finally, you know, uh, being... Um, letting Lord go of her Baelish. All right. <laughs> letting letting go of her childhood fantasies. So about what, you know, knights and being married and all of that kind of stuff. Right. Well, I'm proud of Egwene. Yes. hundred percent. All right. Let's move on to Rand telling Egwene he came to save her and apologizes for faking his death. When he tries to lead her away, Ishmael appears and attacks both of them. He signals the Damane. Who shield Rand? He's so powerful. He just sort of flicks. <laughs> Egwene's like, oh, yeah, buddy. And he's like, uh, no, <laughs> small. Yeah. Sorry, child. Yeah. Um, and she's super powerful for this time, but he's not of this time. Right. And he she's not expecting his power either. So mm-hmm. and then we get this great cut scene back to the end of season one where the uh, Sanjin show up. Um, and we're like, what the hell is going on here? They kind of did almost a shot for shot scene there of, of the Damani standing on the prow of the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, that was, that was good. And then you're like, oh, okay. They're going to shield him. Yep. Yeah. I really liked, I really liked how they had him shielded. They had him a little bit nerfed for a minute. They made you think that something terrible could happen here. Yeah. Especially when he's talking about gentling in the last scene he's in. And he does a good job. The acting on this is is pretty good where he's sort of cowered over with this sickly feeling and he's trying to hold back, you know, hold himself mm-hmm. upright. So yeah, it's uh it's it's good. Yep. Are you gonna miss Ferris Ferris in the end? Yes. He's a good bad guy. Um interesting motivations and um you're talking about the actor, right? Yeah. 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 Now he's got a lot of charisma, carries a lot of weight on the screen. So yeah, sorry to see him go. Well, you've got plenty of villains coming because now everybody's free now. <laughs> That's right. All right. Let's go to Elaine trying to help Nynaeve channel unsuccessfully to heal her. Nynaeve then treats the wound as she would as a wisdom. Elaine walks it off. Something so, that we've been talking about is... yeah. Why did she push push the fletching through? Mm-hmm. Why did she push the back of the arrow through? So the that's kind of a uh, not like I'm speaking from experience or anything like that, but that's kind of something that you see, or or people break it, I guess. But yeah, yeah, why you would put, they the put the front the, through. Sure, you got to go through with the front because that's you can't in pull already. it backwards though. You've got to go pull it through. backwards, but break it. Right, and then pull it, th- pull the rest of it through. Right, uh, whatever. Uh, it didn't. It <laughs> Seems didn't like really it hurt matter. a lot more than it needed to. Well, and them over here. I was, um, I was really pissed actually that in this moment she couldn't still channel, and we're still dealing with uh, Nynaeve and her, you know, whatever Your block. Yeah, yeah, and and it was just kind of, uh, you know, I'm it's. 
I'm a little tired of the storyline. I want to see this character grow. This was one of my favorite characters out of season one, and I'm not seeing the growth that I want. I'm going to be honest with you. It took a while in the books to deal okay. with it. And okay. it might take a while in the show. All right. I'm just going to have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. She's she's going to have to hulk out for a while. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, Elaine walking it off. I'm like, yeah, all right. She's just walking fine after she got and shot in the leg. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's D&D. Yeah. Perrin and Loyal, this is a combined scene, by the way. Perrin yep. and Loyal fight the Shanchin alongside Dane Bornhold, who recognizes Perrin. Perrin is choked out by Valda, but Hopper comes to the rescue. Joffrey Bornhold kills Chopper, sending Perrin into a murderous rage. Chopper. <laughs> uh, I, Hopper. Did I say Chopper? <laughs> yeah, you did. Hopper. That's a good one, though. Hopper. Yep. Uh, sending Perrin into a murderous rage. Perrin kills Joffrey. Great acting on this part of this dog in its death scene. Yes. <laughs> it really gave this like final look in its eye. I was like, dang, that's actually a really good job. Um, I don't know how they, they got the performance out of that dog. but Yeah, this was worked. all live yeah. acting. This was yeah. not CGI at all. Yeah. Which is insane. Pretty good. Great job, uh, Chopper. I mean, Hopper. <laughs> <laughs> Chopper. I, I am surprised that... They uh, cut Hopper loose so soon. I figured that that, that Hopper that really surprised me. Okay, so the wheel um, Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Um, and I was uh, expecting, you know, when when Perrin and uh, Bornhall meet, and they're like, "Oh, I thought great, we're going to have like you know, there's going to be this weird." buddy up situation between the white cloaks who are, you know, nobody else's friends really. Um, but then they turn that on its head really quickly with mm-hmm. Perrin killing his dad. Yeah. So Perrin has an enemy now. Yeah. For, for real, for real. He, he got knocked out by a shield. He's not dead. Yeah. Right. And they, so, his uh, friends and his, uh, fellows dragged him off, I think. So, yeah. So he is, uh, a, a, a player out there now who hates Perrin. So are you saying that Hopper's going to be a force ghost for, for Perrin? I never said that. <laughs> I, I, I will neither confirm nor deny that because it's, <laughs> it's incorrect. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's save that let's for season on. three. Yes. All right. Matt is cornered by a Shanshin patrol and blows the horn of Valir. The horn causes a bad slow motion montage and summons <laughs> the heroes of the horn. Matt remembers he's a hero of the horn and fights alongside the others, which includes Uno. Pretty cool, fun, totally campy, uh, heroes of the horn, all of these different um, uh, uh, cultures and peoples represented, you know, it totally badass uh, fantasy, you know, thing going Mm -hmm. down. And then the whole, yeah, I, I remember I'm one of you and it's like, okay, cool, dope, (laughs) let's fight. Uh, I, I'm really surprised that the heroes of the horn didn't dispatch this Sanchin patrol so much faster. They like, these were just regular troop troops and you've got this huge phalanx of, of warriors. They should have mm-hmm. cut through them like butter, but yeah, what have you. So, yeah. So, um, can I, can I just say, yes, um, there's a piece of dialogue in the books and it's not from this part of the books, but it's in the book somewhere where Matt goes to the heroes of the horn and says, 
wait, am I one of you? And they go, I knew you were going to ask that. That's so funny. <laughs> and I wish that we had that here instead of like making him explicitly a hero of the horn. He's not explicitly a hero of the horn in the books. Okay. They added that confirmation. But he I just love that line. Like, I knew you were going to ask that, buddy. <laughs> Cute. Uh, it's funny. But and uh, Matt has his uh, I don't know what language he's speaking there. The speaking old the old tongue. Yeah. Um, you know, charge. So is the horn gone now because the one of the heroes she took it back from him and I think she was little... holding it for him later. Okay. But then are they but then don't they disappear or are they around still? They disappear. The the horn stays around in the books. So okay. um I don't know if they're going to change that in the show, but it's still they have it at the end of book 2 in the okay. books. So pretty yeah. convenient uh thing to have. Again, like Great, mm -hmm. great uh, uh, fantasy, you know, role-playing game kind of thing. You've got mm -hmm. this cool device that, you know, you can use, you know, once once per whatever round, you know, day <laughs> or what have you. And yeah. then you know, yeah. it's got a recharge and you get these great heroes. Um, did, so. did, you, uh, did you know what Matt said? Speaking of D&D, &D, what Matt said in the old tongue? Mm -mm, no. He said, it's time to roll the dice. In the old seriously, <laughs> that's literally what he Perfect. said in the old time. Awesome. This awesome. is his like catchphrase in battle. This is his war cry in battle in the books. Okay, um, and he finally got to use it. It's time to roll the dice. And we got Uno back. So, how do you become a hero of the horn? Like, what's the criteria? No, it's not even spelled out in the books. It's just okay. big. You're a hero, and we've bound. Basically, they're bound to the wheel to remain as themselves in in. Uh, Wherever I can't even say where they are, but okay. <laughs> wherever heroes of the horn souls reside while okay. they're waiting and in, uh, um, the halls of Mandos. Yeah. And they get reincarnated as different people. It's not like they get reincarnated as themselves every time. But uh, Matt is apparently a hero of the horn and he remembers upon blowing it. Oh, yeah. I'm one of these guys. Cool. Yep. It was good. Good. Can't be fun. Had a great time with it. Cool. Uh, did you like Uno being part of the Heroes of the Horn? Yeah, that's yeah, new. absolutely. That's not in the books. Yeah, no that 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 was cool. That uh, that was uh, a fun and again uh, just goes into the whole thing. And then he gives Uno gives him the shield, gives Perrin the shield, which uh, comes into play later. Yeah, so I think yeah. Uno survives the whole series, or at least lasts till the the last book, um, in in the book. So we were all shocked when he died, and we were all shocked when he came back. Right. So. I'm a fucking hero of the horn. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he was pretty funny with all this. Uh, Dane sees Perrin kill his father and attacks him. Perrin is saved by Uno, who mocks them for doubting that he's a hero of the horn and knocks Dane out. Right. And then gives him this shield, which uh, Perrin uses later. So I'm guessing that that shield is going to be some sort of artifact that he keeps uh, going. Forward. He didn't have a shield in the book. I don't so, think I don't think he had it. So maybe they're adding something for the show, which is fine. Yeah, definitely. Ishmael asks Rand one more time if he'll serve the Dark One. Rand says he never has and he never will. And Matt throws the spear at Ishmael, but Ishmael was an illusion and the dagger hits Rand. So there you got Min's prophecy. Uh, so she saw, you know, not in the same way that she saw it, but he still was, the she same was taking effect. it out, right? That was that was the deal. He was taking out. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Good point. Good point. That's probably what was going on. And that's yeah. a nasty wound. I mean, getting stabbed by a Morgul blade, uh, not good. <laughs> um, this wound <laughs> was given to him by Ishmael in the book, so they changed this. This was a okay. surprise for show watchers too, for book readers too. Okay. 
so good choices here. And then with uh, Egwene showing up to to protect them in, I like that. It's the wound that just won't heal. Like Elaine mm. heals him and it stays because mm. it's just some kind of darkness in it. It was not inflicted by the Shadar Logoth uh, dagger in the books either. This was by some kind of weapon of Ishmael that's never really given any kind of lore behind it. Okay. So I actually really like this change. I like that they explained it with, okay, this is this dagger of darkness who killed all these other people, but you're the dragon reborn. You're this beacon of light. It's going to almost kill you, but with some healing, you can manage with it. And, and now it he has brings, this disgusting festering thing. <laughs> and now it brings the um, Matt storyline uh, back into line um, and gets, yep. you know, f- sort of fixes that breach. So I think they pulled that off really well, actually, given all, all things considered. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. I liked that Matt tried to save Rand and yeah. uh, ended up giving him <laughs> the wound that will never heal. Okay, cool. Yep. Egwene shields Rand and Matt against Ishmael. I, I said that weird when I wrote yeah. that because shielding is shielding a thing. Shielding is different than, uh, yeah. She shields against Ishmael to protect Rand and Matt. That's how I should say that. Yeah. Uh, well, Rand is still shielded. Okay. Moraine sees the shielding from a distance and sends flames under the water towards the Damane ship, risking them being civilians. Land gives the Shanchin a lesson in swordplay. Uh, yeah. So like I, I mentioned just a second ago, love Egwene, uh, stepping in for the save and visually it was awesome watching, uh, Ishmael just firing bolt after bolt after bolt. It was, I was uh-huh. so, I was, I'm, I was almost squealing. I was so excited with this, <laughs> this mm-hmm. whole scene. I was like, okay, cool. Let's go. Let's go. I um, think the visual effects Ishmael's were awesome. Head, mm-hmm. Yeah. In Ishmael's head, he's got all the time in the world, right? Right. Because he's got Rand shielded, these these people are all weaklings to him. He'll just push them off the tower if he needs to, and uh, yeah, I, I, he's like, I, I'll just keep throwing stuff at you. This isn't exhausting me; it's only exhausting you. Yeah, uh, yeah. He has no idea that Moraine is in play out there to uh, to take out his um, his uh, Demane on the ship. So, and yeah. great Egwene, just you know. Ooh, yeah, great. She even throws her dress back a little bit when she takes her stance. And yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> it was so badass. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, super, super fun. We Good stand times. Egwene. Big time. And the, the torpedoes that uh, Moraine sends out into the water, the, that was fun. And uh, mm-hmm. seeing Lan, you know, getting in a little bit of the action. So yeah, every everything was just coming into play. Yep. Yep. I, I, I like this and... Len getting to finally, you know, use all that practicing from earlier in the season right. was really great. And uh, Elaine, uh, well, are we there yet to the next scene? Uh, it's all we're, kind of we're, blurring we together. Can, we can go there. We can go okay. there. Um, I mean, there's not much to talk. This is just action, right? We can just keep saying, oh, I like yeah. this, but and I like that. Yeah, bit. yeah, yeah. And so. yeah. Elaine and Nynaeve arrive at the tower and Elaine heals Rand while he has a meat cute with her. Big the time. does not fully heal and is very ugly. Moraine successfully disrupts the shield, freeing Rand. Rand channels into his sword and stabs Ishmael, branding his own hand in the process. Ishmael says he sees nothing as he turns to ash. A lot here. Uh, total 
I was like, wait, Rand and Elaine? I didn't see that coming. Because uh, <laughs> they set up the shot with her with the sun behind her head. And oh, Rand. Did, did the nice whole sort you. of, uh, <laughs> you know, Vaseline on the lens, you know. And what better to be, you know, healed by a beautiful woman in a, in a time of great need. So, <laughs> you know, it's oh, all there. Rand. Oh, Rand. It's all there. But what was f- so funny to me was Rand's like, who are you? And Elaine's like, I'm Elaine. You know, <laughs> shut up. I'm trying to heal you. She was so like Elaine's not awesome. in this meet cute with him, you know? And uh, she's part of the crew now, right? She's fully she in. She this is. was her uh, coming together with the rest of them and and actually contributing meaningfully in, in a time of need. So the Wonder Girls are all together. Yep. Yep. Cool stuff. Um, the... Stabbing of Ishmael, mm-hmm. uh, and, and he loses his blade. His blade just, I guess, burns away. There, that was a that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was not expecting Ishmael to go down like that. And um, you know, looking, I, it's all there in the plot. You know, the way that they opened up the scene. I suppose if I thought about it a little bit more, I could have seen it coming. Um, but. It it played nicely. The end mirrored the beginning, so good good plot construction. And um, you know, as he's looking up into the sky, he sees like two seagulls flying. You know, so sort of symbolizing their friendship. And yep. yeah, it all all worked. And then he he did the uh, um, the dust out. You know, just like we had in, <laughs> in Avengers. Yeah, he was um, too 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 little time with Ishmael, huh? Too little time with Ishi. Yeah, not not a lot. Um, so the question is: Is he dead permanently? Dead, dead, right? Because we know that the Dark One gave him mortality, but he seemed to really die there, right? He's like, I see yeah. nothing. I'm going. I'm crumbling. And, you know, it's not like Lanfear who just immediately reanimated. We don't have Night Sister magic here. Yeah, no. He seems to be at peace, which is mm-hmm. what he'd been, you know, seeking for. So. Of course, until next time, right? <laughs> <laughs> until he's reincarnated for the next dragon, right? As how did was was Rand just? I don't. Was he even channeling in his blade? Or he was. He okay. was. Uh, they okay. So it's different from the book, and I mean they kind of combine book two and three here with the endings because Rand fully defeats Ishmael at the end of book three. Mm-hmm. But um, the yeah, they they just moved it up to book two here. They they didn't do some things that happen in book three, so I won't talk about what else happens at the end of book three. But they did move up Ishmael's defeat. Okay. And um, yeah, I think I know what they did with the channeling there, but I can't say because it's a lore piece that you don't know yet. Okay, fair enough. Yep. Yep, but I think it's safe to say he channeled him into oblivion. And then stabbed him with the sword. Okay, cool. Yep. Uh, Moraine realizes it's time to proclaim the dragon reborn and creates a fiery dragon above the tower. The people cheer for the dragon reborn's liberation of their city. Avienda calls Rand the Karakarn, and Lanfear looks on approvingly. Huzzah. Uh, this dragon looked a little dorky. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> I did. didn't love it. Um, I thought they were just going to do fireworks and, you know, do like a uh, Gandalfian um, mm-hmm. dragon, you know, swooping down like the Peter Jackson movies. But uh, yep. whatever. It's fine. The 
the who are the three warrior women? Um, the Aiel, yeah, the, yeah, from the Aiel, they they had a cute little scene there where they're all three standing looking and they pull their little masks down in unison and mm-hmm. you know the the ghosts uh the ho- heroes of the horn well remember away. they were looking for somebody when mm. they came over okay and she just said kara karn what's that right okay is the dragon reborn the only prophecy that Rand's gonna fulfill interesting interesting mm-hmm yeah, that, you're totally right, Dave. She totally does say that there. Cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. All right. And my question to you is, why couldn't Landfear just make the weave herself? Mm. Make the she's weave. The, she's much more powerful than Moraine. Oh, she right. Could, you mean for the she banner? She could just put the dragon in the sky herself. Right, right. Uh, you know, from the shadows. Isn't there a whole thing about being in the shadows, moving in the shadows? So I guess, but yeah, the Demani are dead anyway. <laughs> just, so. I think she's fine to just do it. I don't know. Again, I think that was a little bit of shoehorning Rosamund Pike into this plot line, but sure, yeah, it, it is works. what it is. Yeah. It is what it is. Um, last scene here: Lanfear looks triumphant after a good day overall. She goes to retrieve the other seals of the Forsaken. I think that's what I'm assuming here. Uh, but then she finds right, she was going to take him out to the boat mm-hmm. uh, to have him dropped. Right, but she finds Megidian who tells her Ishmael freed all of them because he thought she would betray him, rightfully so, apparently. Mogidian tangles Lanfear in her webs and says that the other Forsaken are not weakened by closeness to the dragon. Mogidian warns Lanfear to stay away from Rand. Lanfear closes out the season by saying, light help you, Rand Althor. So I think I win some internet points here. Um, because I've been saying all along that these big stone plinth things were, uh, uh I think you're important. right. I'm, I'm here to award them to you. They and actually, I, the Grammys mailed them to me. The, <laughs> the Emmys. Yeah. I just want to redeem it all in cereal. That's what I need. Just lots and lots of cereal <laughs> for the other shows, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. So that I can steal myself when we, <laughs> we run into other issues. So this Mogadin, Mogadian. Mogidian, she's a creepy little creepster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's a- the spider, you know, that's that's uh, her vibe. That's yeah. her vibe. She is spooky scary. Lanfear is- and she's got Lanfear beat, which is saying something because Lanfear's super powerful. Well, I'll say Lanfear's power level is above her. Okay. But she didn't expect to find her there and she caught right. her in the webs. And that's Mogidian's strength is she, like she said, I don't miss when I finally strike. Like mm-hmm. I might bide my time in the shadows a little bit, but I don't miss. Right. Cool. So good setup for next season. We've got all these forsaken, well, like six, we got forsaken six more forsaken. So we got seven total now. Right. We, we, we would have had eight, but Ishi's dead. Right. A lot all of right. villains running around. Season two. Here we go. Yep. Yep. All right, David, do we have some feedback for today? We have a ton of feedback, in fact. Oh, boy. So let's get into it. Uh, first up, we've got Sadie well, on the Discord. I pulled this one because I thought it was a, a important question. Okay. Um, Sadie says, I feel like I'm really missing something with the whole Demane thing. So they capture channelers, then turn them into weapons, I guess. But how are their powers less or more than they would be on their own, and how does the caller control them exactly? 
So I think we definitely got some answers in this mm-hmm. episode for that. Do you want to talk a little bit? What what more can you talk about? This? Yeah, well, they they don't. It doesn't make them more or less powerful, right? The the thing is that the Suldan, because they're slavers and they don't really care if these people live or die, other than like resource management, they will push them harder than they would be pushed in the White Tower, and so they may access more of their power than they normally would because they're being pushed so hard, but mm-hmm. they're risking burning out because they're being pushed so hard. Right. Uh, and how do they control them? Well, now, you know, it's actually a channeler controlling another channeler and linking with them. Um, and with and a mechanical device that augments mm-hmm. the relationship, right, right? That forces them to, well, rather than augment, I think forces one to be able to control the other. Okay. Interesting. Cause, um, Nynaeve says something about the presence that she feels. Yeah, she feels she feels the other person's like bundle of emotions, basically. Right. Which right. is how water bonds are described in the books. Interesting. You feel a bundle of emotion in your mind from the water. So there's a consistency there, and then this is just a mechanical device that mm-hmm. um, made by another Aes Sedai. Right. It's a Terangrial, just like the arches. It's a magical device, which, by the way... The Aes Sedai were pretty convinced you can't make Terangriol anymore. Well, the mm-hmm. Shanchan are. Right, which is a thing now, right? Mm-hmm. Now we've got, we've got to deal with that as well. Right. Can anyone else do them? Can anyone else make a different kind? You know, it's a right. lot of questions here now opened up. Cool. All right. I hope that helps, Sadie. And obviously, you know, reach out on the Discord more if you've, if you've got more questions. Uh, John, do you remember our old friend Marta in Italy? Marta, I do. Helped us out with the great... Uh, Intel from when we were doing uh, White the Lotus, White Lotus Sicily, season yeah. two. Wow, that seems like so long ago. I know, a lifetime. Anyway, Marta wrote in, and it's That's so great. great to hear from you, Marta. She says, hello, guys. Remember me? I'm the listener from Italy. <laughs> yes, of course we remember you. I want to tell you how much I've been enjoying your listening to your Wheel of Time recaps and analysis. Well, glad that they have been um, enjoyable, at least. Uh, she continues, I watched season one without knowing anything about this world, and it interested me enough that I went and started reading the books. John, you converted another book reader. Indubitably. I'm glad. Very I'm glad good. Because I love the books. Although I like fantasy, I haven't read much apart from Lord of the Rings and Song of Ice and Fire. Well, those are pretty big. <laughs> you've, you've covered a lot of bases there. Um, but the world Jordan created is so rich and interesting that it has quickly become a comfort read and I enjoy losing myself in it. I just started book 10 and I'm a bit worried after what John said (laughs) on the podcast. It's the slog book. It really is. It's like the, if there is any book that is a slog, it is that book because it's mostly characters reacting to the climax of book nine. I'm not even kidding. That's like the mo- that's the majority of the book is just, hey, remember okay. when that happened? It's it's uh it's not great. It's not great <laughs> writing. Well, Marta is determined to power through it. Um, so yeah, I mean, book eleven is amazing. Like, I okay. book eleven is my favorite book of the series. So cool. power through. And I've heard this several times that people talk about it being a comfort read. Mm-hmm. That that it's just it's comfy. It's it's easy. like hanging out with your friends. Yeah, because yeah. you you get you get so close with the Emmons Field Five and Elaine and whoever else joins the crew. Can't spoil anything. Um, that you just feel like you're hanging out with your butts. You know. How would you describe the writing style? Because I because oh, it's this... very accessible. Okay, very. It's not Tolkien. I think Tolkien's a lot harder to read. Mm-hmm. Cool. I think Tolkien feels a little bit archaic in the language sometimes. 
Jordan right. is very conversational. He's not using a ton of huge vocabulary. Okay. He's he's not trying to sound very high fantasy. He he puts a lot of pieces on the board, but he's also really good at reminding you. Some people say too good at reminding you, like he'll spend a lot of time recapping things. Okay. But he'll really onboard you every book, which is great. He keeps you remembering what happened in the last book and what what tools were set up. And he reminds you of the mechanics often. So it's, he's, it's really accessible, I think. As much as it's long, it's a really easy read. Cool. Cool. Well, that's why, you know, I, if, if Marta is saying that it's a comfort read, that really um, indicates that, right? That, that the, mm-hmm. the, the reading, the, the writing style has to be such that you can just slip right into it and you don't have yep. to do a lot of work. Okay, Marta continues, I'm enjoying the season a lot, but I'm a bit worried that it's not doing a good job to make this world understandable to non-book readers. What are your thoughts on this? For example, wouldn't it be better to have a map like we do in the books? I think it's important to have a clear understanding of the land moving forward with the adaptation of the books. Look forward to hearing your thoughts on this. I also have a request. What other fantasy series would you recommend? Thanks. Keep up the good work. So, um, about this non book reader thing. Yeah, man, this series at the beginning of this series, I was having a hard time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I was like, oof, I don't know if I can do this. There's a lot of effort here. There's a lot of, uh, you know, places and names and can I keep it all straight in my head? And I think just going along for the ride and finishing off this last episode, uh, it all paid off. And so maybe that's part of why I enjoyed the uh, the episode so much mm-hmm. was, hey, this is a bunch of goofy fun, big fantasy trope things are paying off. It's all consistent. It all I don't feel like I've, I've been played any tricks or you know dealt any dirty hands. And so I think that's mm, part of the reason why I felt good about this episode. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but I will agree, Marta, that uh, some maps would help. I don't know, uh, a podcast or two, possibly. <laughs> I'll say on the map thing, um, you've already seen teleportation this season. And Marta, you're reading the books and you're on book 10. Um, teleportation is a thing in this universe. You're going to have to accept it. Like we're going to go far places away and very quickly. And we're going to ju- you're going to have to get used to it. It's not jetpacking. It's canon. <laughs> it's, teleportation. it's actual. It's it real. is actual. Yeah. Teleportation. Yeah. And as more characters get more powerful, you're probably going to have to expect more of them to be able to jetpack, right? Yeah. So some map, yeah, maps help me. I don't know. I guess for some people, the way we think the, you know, having a visual representation is really helpful in that regard. Yeah. Just to, yeah. just to be able to, to relate to and keep in proportion, not proportion, but just have a, a, a space, the spatial recognition in mm-hmm. some way translates back into, I can hold this in my head. Whereas something that occurs for me is abstract, then becomes ephemeral and, mm-hmm. and I lose it. But grounding it in geography helps me retain the information. Yeah. So maybe that's you. what Mar- Marta's, uh, um, maybe her, her thoughts are working in the same way. Anyway, I, I the you. question of, of fantasy series, I mean, that's so huge. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have, well, fan- I haven't yeah, been reading a lot of fantasy. Oh, so. I don't know, David. Have you ever heard of the Earth Sea Cycle? Oh, I, would, I guess I would say that's a pretty good transition <laughs> from Wheel of Time. It's I heard such a, a good podcast shorter. about that too. Yeah, it's a lot shorter. We're doing a podcast on it. We've done the first three books. We're about to do the fourth book. Uh, it's very accessible. It's very good. I uh, I would definitely recommend that if you want something that is 
that has something similar to the Forsaken in it, the Black Company. However, that's a little like, harder will, to like, access because it's such a point. No, of I view. think it's an easy read, but it's it's um I, I the warning I was going to give is there is some sexual violence in it. So if sure. that is something that makes you uncomfortable, that takes you out of it, avoid it. Um, but there's no world. There's no setup. You're straight into this character's point of view and you have no idea what's going on in the world and you just got to go. With yeah. It. So yeah, it's, it's a I, challenge I like in that it. regard. I like it that way, but well, uh, it's it's a very unique writing style. Very, unique. Um, it's very good. It's very good. Um, also, if you want another comfort read, Discworld. Go pick up Discworld. Look up the chart of Discworld reading order. You can start at various points. Pick one of the starter novels. I recommend Guards, Guards. It's very funny. Um, great comfort read for fantasy. And we've got a whole book channel set up on the Discord. So if you want to pop in and chat with some folks and ask yeah, for yeah. people give good recommendations. Yeah. Yeah. Our community takes care of folks. So Marta, really good to hear from you. Thanks for writing in. I hope you're doing well. We hope you're doing well. And I'm sorry that uh, we don't have any Italian-based shows again. Uh, I think the White Lotus uh, was lucky I, that I heard we it's there. Thailand, but I yes. don't know. I don't yeah, know if that's true. It's supposed to be Asia somewhere. So. Anyway, thanks, Marta, and uh, look forward to hearing from you again before too long. Duve, 71, Loremaster, friend of the pod, regular contributor. He says, hi, John. Hi, David. Lots of observations on this episode, refer referring to episode seven, as I have to agree with David's comment on how dense the episode really was. As per usual, the Sunday dog walk is powered by the pod, and it really helps hearing you guys get the brain chewing over what I saw a day or so previously. Well, glad we could virtually be with you on your walk, do. <laughs> Firstly, this may take on the prominence of the plinths with the yin-yang symbols on them. Perhaps these are portal stones, which may explain some of the jetpacking but could also set up some future uses in upcoming seasons. Well, we do. We know exactly what these are now, do. So <laughs> yep. question answered. Yep. Interesting to hear the feedback on this episode about the Sanchan and their motivations not being related to the shadow. I recall John alluding to the Sanchan being from the continent of North America. The way they would leave the small folk alone. Well, here, let's just pause there. Is that... That's um, this North America, this sort of yeah, yeah. geography of this world. Right. Yeah. So geographically, they're from there. I just want to make clear, you saw 3,000 years ago in this episode, and you're still in this very magical land with very different people. And I want to be very clear. We are very far removed in time from our current time. So I don't want anyone to think that these are like Americans come back right. to, right. you know, exactly. it's not. It's not. It's yeah. very different people's. Um, it just happens geographically they're from there. And perhaps right. Jordan was trying to say something with American imperialism there. Right. Um, Duve continues the way they leave the small folk alone and their belief in the premacy in the world could be seen as an expression of American individualism with small government and perhaps an extreme representation of exceptionalism and manifest destiny. They certainly have a manifest destiny vibe about them. That I'll take. Yeah, I, I always think Roman Empire with these people because okay. that's how the Romans went, right? They would go to different areas. They would let them keep a lot of their cultures. But then, you know, as long as you pay tax to Caesar, you're all good, right? Right. Um, you are still under our domain. You can keep worshiping whatever god you want to worship. 
He continues, liked David's reflection on the way Aes Sedai and Swan are in a mirror of the Sanchan in their treatment of the Domani and Rand. Shielding Rand isn't as brutal and dehumanizing as the Sanchan's treatment of the Domani, but a velvet cage is still a cage. Yep. Yep. It's um, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. The, <laughs> yeah. the, uh, I, I don't want to say anything because there's more coming. <laughs> your pause, yes, you had a very, yeah. you had a very thoughtful pause there. I could hear your wheels. Yeah. like, what can I say? What yeah. can I not say? There's, there's a lot I can't say here. I think that the treatment of Rand is something that you're, you're going to have to just keep an eye on, Duve. Uh, continuing, really enjoyed the demonstration of Egwene's power, but have noted this has upset some of the book cloaks as Nynaeve uses her power a lot more at the stage in the story in the books. However, I'm liking it as Nynaeve is a thousand times more powerful. If Egwene is the first atomic bomb, Nynaeve is a hundred megaton, megaton hydrogen bomb. So when we see Nynaeve unleash her powers, we will have had a foretaste via Egwene. Okay, interesting. So sort of setting scale. So we're getting mm-hmm. used to seeing somebody who's really powerful above the average, but then when Nynaeve goes off, we're going to have a sense of of how powerful she is. Okay, that's cool. That works. Yeah, I think uh, in the books right now, Elaine, uh, sorry, Nynaeve, a lot of names here. Yes, Nynaeve but... is able to hulk out more often. You know, she's able mm-hmm. to on command be like, you wouldn't want to see me when I'm angry. And then channel, you know. <laughs> so, uh, but it's, right. I, and all the Aes Sedai around her are like, can you stop doing that? That's not healthy. Don't do it that way. Do it the right way. And she's just like, nah, I got to no. hulk out. <laughs> uh, okay. Continuing really good expedition of Ishmael and the dark ones goal of breaking the wheel and end times versus land fears reveling in the scheming power domination that aligning herself with the dark gives her all motivated by her undying love for Luz Theron? Luz Theron. Luz Theron. There's an Luz extra the guy e in at the there. beginning. Okay. In the Luz in the, Theron. Yeah. Got it. Perfect. And he was the dude that we saw in the cold open of this. Yep. Yep. He's so. he's old Rand. He's the, okay. he's, you know, will the real Rand Althor please stand up? <laughs> and that's who Lanfear is still in love with, even though Rand is in this in is the incar- the incarnation of his spirit. She's warming up to Rand. She's warming sure. up to him, I think. Oh, she's, I think she's, she's already going, warmed. Yeah, she's like, hey, you know what? I th- I think he might be the same guy, actually. Mm, okay. Now, the question is, is Rand quite as arrogant as Luz Theron? I'd say there's some arrogance there. Mm-hmm. He's still a young pup. He's got a ways to Sure go. is. He's 19 so. years old, learns that he's going to be the savior of the world. I think a lot of people would be it's a little bit arrogant. your head. Don't worship children, right? Do not That's worship children. We learned that in Foundation, yep. Uh, continuing, it's good to have the show deviate in some aspects as it means the weekly experience of watching the show is still fresh while still having enough, uh, grounding for me to not get lost. So just to pref- uh, to remind everyone that Duve's just started reading the books. He got hooked up just, uh, the same. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, interesting point about sort of running parallel with the show and, and reading the books. Um, so that, that sort of both are fresh there. Yep. 
Continuing with uh, Aiel, it seems to be very clan-based, which made me think of how Scottish clans were grouped in medieval times. You had your familial clans, but you could also be part of a larger clan, usually called a confederation. For example, Clan Davidson, my clan, no, I'm Duve's clan, not my clan, <laughs> were part of Clan Chatton, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. Aiel culture also seems to pull from some Norse for spear maidens, sea, uh, and shield maidens. So, yeah, there are 13 clans. I had to look this up because I couldn't remember. There are 13 clans of the Aiel, and there are septs within the clans. Okay. So, there are a lot of subdivisions here. Um, and then there's also, you know, there's there's societies like the Fardarasmai, the maidens of the spear that, um, you know, that Avienda is part of. So in Livingston's book, uh, mm-hmm. who, he goes into a lot of the um, our primary world's history uh, for the sources of inspiration, uh, not and not just inspiration, but actual yep. detail. Yep. Um, does he talk? Because uh, you've read all, all of Livingston's book, did I he did? Go I haven't read ideal? it recently, just because okay. I wanted. To, I really wanted to dig into it more this season, but just we mm-hmm. had so much going on with the shows, yeah. I just could not as much as I wanted show to. Coverage. So. Um, I'm going to look that up for the season wrap. All right, that's okay. that's going to be my homework for the season wrap. Sounds good. Uh, Duve concludes, as ever, you guys are putting up some big shifts on the show. I see social media blowing up over the wheel of time with its hot takes and memes, but having the time reflection and analysis from the Lorehounds definitely gives a much deeper insight on the story and the show. So thanks again. Wandering the ways with land fear. <laughs> That's a dangerous Duve. game, Duve. It is. Careful Duve's in there. Anyone. Thanks, Duve. Uh, glad you in uh, have been enjoying it, and glad that we can have a be a kind of, um, you know, we're not a sizzling hot spot of social media and hot takes, and you know, arguing over. Except on the Ahsoka podcast. Yeah, but, but that was vigorous. <laughs> that was vigorous, and it, it, was, well, it was a little spicier. <laughs> so well Duve, Duve tweeted at us. Sp- you know the the Bill Hader meme when he's Stefani goes spicy. He tweeted, <laughs> yeah. tweeted that about our Ahsoka coverage. <laughs> Funny. I think yeah, there was a, some other comments today too on the on it. So yeah. Anyway, thanks, Duve. I'm glad you enjoyed it, and I'll look forward to hearing some thoughts for the season wrap. Maddie writes in, says, "Hey, Lorehounds. Hey, Maddie." Uh, I'm a huge fan of the wheel of time show. I haven't read the books, but my husband has. So we have a fun dynamic when watching the show, similar to the two of you. He's keeping track of all of my theories. My favorites of which is predicting Nynaeve's next meltdown. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, my question for you is about Elaine's red hair. I feel that it is a well established, it's well established in the show that although not 100% of the time, red hair is a trait associated with the Aiel. I really enjoy her as an actress and I like Elaine's character, but I wonder why they didn't change her hair color. I can't stop wondering if she has some association with the Aiel. As you've commented, the costuming for the show seems intentional all around, so to me, her red s- hair seems like an oversight unless it means something. Do you have thoughts on this to share or do I have to wait to find out? Um, it doesn't really mean something. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> uh, She's described as having reddish gold hair in the books. I think it's just character description. Uh, the the like really red hair that Rand has, that's a very ideal thing. 
Although now they've had Avienda come in with not really that hair. So it's, mm. it's, uh, I think part of it is just like adapting the hair color inconsistently. Yeah. But it's, it's hard. Uh, yeah. to, to get actors. Because I think Avienda would look right. goofy with that hair, right? Mm-hmm. And and so would so would most of the IL probably. Most people would look goofy um, with certain hairstyles with you know bright red hair, especially when it's dyed, right? Like okay. it's not it's not natural. Um, yeah. And so it's tough. It's tough. But Elaine, I'm just going to tell you, Elaine's not IL. She's just okay. not IL. <laughs> <laughs> put that one down. Yeah, you just put yeah. that one to bed. And, yeah, and I I don't blame you for putting this Thinking theory that. together, Manny, yeah. I'm just going to tell you, look no further. I'm going to tell you, Markley's not important. You know, <laughs> I was just going to call out Markley. Yes, yeah. so totally. Don't look for, sometimes yeah. shadows are just shadows in these shows. Yep. So we're yep. trained to look for these things. So, and that's why we have feedback. So you can write in right. and, and do this right. exact thing. So Maddie, I don't think that's for, a big spoiler, spoiler to say no, she's not. Ideal. I think it's fine. <laughs> I think it'll be fine. Maddie, thank you for writing in. It's good to hear from you. And I hope to hear from, we hope to hear from you again. And if you got some uh, fun theories that you want to throw in for uh, the season wrap, we would love to hear them. So uh, send in your emails. Yep. All right. Last uh, up is Renee M says, hi guys. Thanks for your episode breakdowns. They make viewing more enjoyable. I've not read the books, but they're on my list to do so. John, you have been a uh, book um, you have probably converted more people to the books <laughs> on this podcast that we're never going to get any revenue from the, <laughs> the publishers Listen, from. I'm an Orangelist. Oh, oh, it's been a while since you've been an Orangelist. Like I like that. That's very good. All right. We didn't get All a right. Rand song. We still need a Rand song. Because the one I thought of, I, I know, can't do because Paul Simon's going to sue me. You can't get it and you can't get around it. It's stuck in your head. So I can't. It's yeah, it's just there. It's yeah. not happening. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah, we're waiting. We're all waiting for your next song. You know, we've got to have that. We got to put out. The, I, you uh, got one for Ahsoka. For album. some reason, the Star Wars songs become musical for me. That'll the be Star a Wars fun, uh, you know, swag merch thing in the future. You know, uh, all mm-hmm. the Lorehound's greatest hits. <laughs> you know, after yeah, we a couple put the of CD years. of ten seconds clips. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, That'd be perfect. Uh, All right, Renee continues, your podcast for season two, episode seven is the first one I listened to having found you a bit late. So forgive me if this has already been asked and answered is, was there a discussion or statement as to how the adaptation of 15 books would be adapted as it seems that so far they're equal to one book per season. Is it truly intended to have 14 or 15 seasons? Thanks again, (laughs) Renee from Renee M from Yosemite. Renee, thanks for writing in. It's, it's great to hear from new listeners. Welcome. Thank you for taking the time for writing in and definitely write in some more. John, how the hell are they going to adapt 15 books into uh, a reasonable television season? Yeah, it's a good question. The early books are set up, much more discreetly with like, this is the beginning, middle and end of it. And so I think they need to combine. I, I, I think they need to mostly do one-to-one with the first couple seasons. Mm-hmm. However, they've given us all we need from the first three books. Now, even though they mostly did book two this season, uh, there is something big that they didn't do in this season from book three, but they can absolutely move it to later. And that would be totally fine. They are they said that they're going to do a straight adaptation of book four for season three. So they are and book four is a lot of people like general consensus is it's the best book. Okay. Um, 
I, I disagree. Actually, I like I like book 11 better and book right. six better. But um, yeah, I, I really like book four. I think book book four is my number three out of the series. And anyway, so they are I believe they plan to do eight seasons. The other thing I'll say is there's a lot you can cut in the middle books from books like seven to ten. There's a lot you can cut without losing much. So it's it's great reading. Like, I really enjoy the plot lines, but some the things that affect the main plot, I think you could sum up in a season from all those books. You could do okay. like four books in one season. Okay. And it would be fine. And we don't have any specific news from Rafe Judkins or the studio. They, they started filming season three a while ago. I don't know what happened with the strikes and all that. Right. But it's not like Goyer with Foundation who's like clear, like I want eight and I've got off ramps here and here. They, they haven't come out and said explicitly how many they're going to aim for. I don't know how you could have off ramps in the show. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, David Goyer, because he's doing a lot more of a loose adaptation. Inspiration is able to versus do that. adaptation. Yeah. 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 Um, I do have here. I just Googled it. Rafe Judkins has said he intends to do eight seasons. So the showrunner has oh, said, I want to do eight seasons. Okay. Um, Fresh so yeah, the there, there is a source for it. It's not just made up. Okay. Excellent. If they are doing a season every other year, that's a problem. So they really need to speed up the production on this. You're not going to lock down these actors for 16 years. No, it's going to be hard. It's going to be, a, uh, that's, that's hard on actors is to be locked into these. Cause these are right. Especially locations and the time that's involved and all that kind of stuff. So if they're leapfrogging forward, if they're already like say season three is already in the can and into post-production by now, that's awesome because they can keep that pace running forward. So, yeah, I really hope we get a season three in 2024. I, with the strikes, I'm not sure. Right. We just have to see. Hopefully. Hopefully. We'll see yeah. what they do. Okay. Uh, well, that's it for uh, feedback. Again, thanks, Renee, for writing in. Thanks for um, Maddie. Great to hear new listeners writing in. Again, we're going to have a season wrap-up podcast. John, Alicia, and I are all going to get together and talk. Non-spoilery, you know, non-book spoilery stuff. We're just going to, you know, cover a few things in the the season. Then I'm going to duck out, and then John and Alicia are going to go hard, <laughs> hammer and tongs <laughs> into into all the deep bookie stuff. Um, yep. So we got yep. you covered there. Send in your feedback. W O T at thelorehounds.com. Head over to our Discord. Join the conversation there. There should be a lot of great chatter happening uh, once the episode uh, is aired. Um, John, we just finished up with a huge schedule. <laughs> We're like, I think taking a breath, uh, right I now. Know. I know. Um, but we've got Loki starting up and, uh, Alicia and Jean and I are going to be covering that. Um, we've got what star Wars film festival is back on the table. Uh, it is, with, it is. We're doing revenge of the Sith. And if you are a Patreon member, you can do a live watch. On uh, what day is that going to be? Saturday the yeah 8th? Saturday the tenth. Oh well, no, it's not the tenth. No, Saturday no. the seventh. I'm sorry, I can't keep go. track of the days. Right. So check Patreon for that. Uh, what else have we got? Bear McCreary, the mm-hmm. musician and composer who did the uh, theme song Rings for of Power Rings of and Power. Foundation. Yep, and he many, did all many, the soundtrack for both shows. I think. Yeah. We are, we have, um, he's graciously agreed to, uh, come onto the pod. So we're going to be interviewing him and that is going to happen later in the month. Um, what else do we have? We've got, uh, 
our book nook series covering Earthsea. We're going to be reading the first six chapters of Tehanu, which is the fourth book in the Earthsea series. And uh, I don't know what else we got. Well, the creator, uh, John and uh, John and Alicia and I are going to do a one shot for that movie. And then, John, you're going to do something with Fall of the House of Usher. Yeah, I think shot? we're going to do something. Alicia and I are probably going to do something. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We got to work out some details, but okay. uh, something's going to happen around that show. Right. Cool. So there's a lot on the boil. Uh, we're going to be getting back to Silmarillion stories and... Uh, you're going to do a Shire side chat for our patrons? I sure am. Sure am. I, I vote a Shire side chat, and I'm going to do at least one this month. Awesome. So lots cooking on over here. Uh, for our affiliates, Properly Howard Movie Review, those guys are cooking with gas over there. They are having a lot of fun. Jo- uh, Anthony, uh, who is an academic, and Steve, who is a stand-up comic, they review movies, uh, and this for their uh, current season, they picked a slate of remakes. They just released a um, podcast on the 1991 version of Cape Fear. Next coming up is The Thing, a 1982 version of it. A couple of weeks ago, they did The Departed. They also covered The Wicker Man. Those were hilarious. Uh, I don't Have you listened to the Cape Fear uh, episode? I yet, haven't John? yet. Okay. Had a busy week, but uh, yeah. Really yeah, good they, conversation. It's always, it's always a great time listening yeah. to them, even if you haven't watched the movie. Yeah. The Cape Fear conversation was really interesting. They got some interesting uh, filmmaking stuff, but they're also oh, cool. very funny. So yeah. it's, it's good stuff. Uh, Alicia is retooling some Wool Shift Dust um, programming. Um, they've had some, she had, uh, there's some things been happening over on, on her side, but the book club is going to get uh, going again. And because Dune, the movie, the second part of the Villeneuve movie got pushed to 2024, she's had to readjust her programming there, but that's coming. And then there's another, I think she talked about this the other day, right? There's Mm -hmm. another show, Beacon 21. What was it called? I don't recall the exact name, but she's going to be covering something soon on her feed. So, And it was uh, on like uh, MGM Plus or something. (laughs) Yes, something I hadn't even heard of, but you know yeah. what? They, they'll probably give you like seven months free because it's a new service, right? <laughs> right. Beacon 23, which is apparently written by Hugh Howie, who is the fellow who wrote the Silo uh, Wool Shift Dust books, which were turned into the Silo uh, TV show on Apple+. Plus. So I think she's going to go um, uh, full into that one. So that should be good. I mean, if, if Alicia's on it, I'm sure it's going to be good content. So, All right. Very cool. John, should we give a shout out to our patrons? We should. Our Patreon lore masters are our top tier patrons, and we give them a shout out every single episode. They are Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H., Michael G., Michelle E., David W., Brian P., Nick W., SC, Peter OH, Bettina W., Adam S., Nancy M., Lavinia T., Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H., Sarah L., Gareth C., Eric F., Matthew M., Sarah M., DJ Miwa, Andra B., Kwang Yu, Laura G., Dead Eye Jedi Bob, Nathan T., Alex V., Aaron T., Sub-Zero, and Adrian. Thank you all so much. I mean, this is, uh, this is the, the, uh, the weave behind the, the power. <laughs> the water right? that this turns the wheel. The water that turns. You are the water that turns the wheel itself. That, honestly, I thought that was a good line. If, yeah. if, if a little bit cheesy, but (laughs) 
Fair enough. Yeah. Thank you all so much. It really does help us keep things moving and uh, helps us take care of our co-hosts and, mm-hmm. and keep the lights on. A couple of notes too. You can now get seven day free trial memberships. So you can check us out if you want. You can also yeah, do a lot of people annual. are doing that lately. Yeah. You can also yeah. do annual subscriptions if that works better for your budgeting. And if uh, being a Patreon subscriber doesn't work for you, but you're still curious as to, you know, some of the things that are going on, there's a way that you can follow us on Patreon. It doesn't, they don't make it very uh, easy to find it, uh, but there's a little menu and you can actually choose to follow. And they're going to be turning that into what they call free memberships, where we can sort of, you can hear previews of podcasts and you can see some snippets of our posts. So if uh, that works for you, just to stay connected, uh, feel free to give us a follow or uh, Patreon is just going through a big um, uh, brand remodel or something. And so uh, hopefully they're going to make that a little bit easier. But um, yeah. All right, all. David. Yes. It is two hours and 11 minutes into this recording. Time and I'm not talking off. about Patreon remodels anymore. John, it's been a pleasure talking about this season with you. I think it's time to say uh, agreed. It's time to say goodnight. Yep. All right. Well, you're going to head out now, and I'm going to welcome Alicia. Okay. Hello, Alicia. Welcome to the pre-spoiler White Tower segment. What would you think of the episode? Um, Yeah, I think it was an absolutely packed finale. Um, There was no time for Loyal to even properly greet anyone. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think think it's good that they left the Carrie-Anne plots for season three and just concentrated on Falm. I am bracing myself for for how controversial some of the changes are going to be, but after watching it a second time, I am almost 100% on board. Like I'm very happy with it. Uh, It makes me feel pumped and excited in general and definitely for season three. What about you? Cool. Yeah. I mean, everyone by now has heard my thoughts on it because I've just done probably an hour and a half podcast, but um, (laughs) I, I was less hot on it uh, than Mm -hmm. you, but Mm -hmm. I wasn't, I didn't, I did not like it. I thought it was good. I thought it was a good finale. I didn't think it was operating at the same level as the rest of the season. I thought that most of the season was better than this, Okay, but I think that it was generally good. I think book readers will like this less than non-book readers. Yeah, but I think it depends what they find most important because they definitely, they nailed some iconic book moments. Like mm-hmm. uh, how impressive, by the way, is the the dog who plays Hopper, uh, Kalu oh, yeah. Inka, a female yeah. dog, by the way. But um, yeah, apparently there was no CGI. That's just all dog acting. So yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, they they did nail some moments. I think that, there were mind-boggling changes for me some at some points, like I especially the Ingtar stuff, which we'll talk about in the yeah. in the spoiler section. But um, yeah, that that was a mind-boggling change to me because I think they could have done it with another ten seconds of screen time. Yeah, and okay. uh, I'm just I'm just not sure why they would skimp on that. It feels like almost deliberately sidestepping an iconic scene. Well, I'm glad that, I mean, I understand uh, that feeling and that is actually the thing that I'm most scared about seeing the reaction to. Um, but I am glad that in general, they didn't like force some things to happen that they, that they didn't have time to build up, you know, like mm-hmm. the whole, uh, no jumping the gap to put it in Ahsoka speak. With, <laughs> with yeah. Red's, oh yeah. Compared uh, to Star Wars. Yeah. Compared to Ahsoka, I'm over the moon with this episode. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm glad there there was no magical resolution of Nynaeve's block. Uh, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm ultimately okay with Ingtar only getting a nod to his book arc, but I know that I'm much less invested in that character than some other people. So that's the one I'm like, well, we'll see. Um, right. What did you think about the dragon banner twist? Um, 
it was it was decent. I still think that we are shoehorning Moraine into places she doesn't need to be. I, I get but. it to a certain extent. But also I was thinking <laughs> like, yeah, this is actually way more impressive and easier to see than, you know, some cloth banner in this, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. In some ways. I thought, I thought that the existence of the dragon banner was cool or the dragon flame was cool. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know if Moraine was the one to do it. She seems yeah. to, her power level seems all over the place. You know, like that seems like something that only someone as powerful as like, Rand, Ishmael, Landfear should be able to do. I don't know, but it's just an illusion. Distance. It's just an illusion, though, and not like, and not even as detailed as one is like Ishmael did this episode where he, you know, where he tricked Matt. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I I'm curious about the reaction. I'm not sure how I feel, but I guess it makes more sense uh, that I can imagine if they're like trying to wave a piece of cloth in the air, that's just not going to look very impressive on screen. Right. Okay. Yeah, I hear you. No, I'm I'm fine with how it looked. I think uh, my my only issue would be that who did it, but yeah. it didn't like take me out of it either. It was fine. I just I I think that in general, you know, my complaint of we cast as such a big name for Moraine that we have to shoehorn her into everything, even when yeah. she doesn't belong there for the story. Like, it, I mean, it, sometimes it feels yeah. like it's more for the service of the actor than the story. Okay, and that's but I, I don't, don't I don't think it's more for the service of the actor per se. Like, okay, oh, of course it's there that she's an executive producer and a big name, but I think it's also from the audience's perspective that they want to see um, these characters they've been getting to know. They want to see them continue to play a big role, especially with such a big cast. You know, it's an overwhelming yeah. size of cast for a lot of new people, especially. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I like the ensemble cast. I yeah. think that it's good to have more of a focus on characters other than Rand earlier on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I agree with all of their choices on who to focus on at what time. I think, yeah. and it's it's a preference thing. It's a judgment no, call thing. Fair. I don't think I could do better, honestly. Right. <laughs> I just don't know if I like it either. Sometimes. No, okay. Okay, that's fair. But hey, I'm very excited about the tease for next season because we got uh, my favorite of the Forsaken showing up and we got confirmation that it was everything that everybody hoped. Leia Costa is Mogedian. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought of you as soon as I saw her. I was like, okay, at least she'll yeah, be happy. I, I might have like jumped up and cheered at the screen. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. That's great. Yeah. And, and and it's exciting that they're all out, all six. We know we know one is Samael, and we still have uh, three left to confirm. Yep, yep. And uh, yeah, I'm glad that they confirmed Samael. Which uh, I I don't know. Again, he's not that big of a of a character in the book, so I wonder if they're going to have to combine him with Robin or something. Yeah, I think so. Although my only question, well, okay, we'll save that for book spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we got to be careful here. So, yeah. All right, let's um let's head on to the book spoiler section. Before we do that, I just want to mention you will be on the full season wrap up with us, right. so people will get a lot more of your thoughts, including spoiler free thoughts on that. Um, so Looking if you are enjoying Alicia, come back for the season wrap up, which will be out in about a week. All right, Alicia, time for a quick break. When you when we get back, we're going to talk full book spoilers. And we're back. Alicia, we are going to talk full book spoilers now. 
down to the end of the series at the end of book 14. So if you don't want those, be gone with you and come back for the season wrap. Alicia, what are your uh, spoilery thoughts on this episode? Okay, well, uh, Hopper finally died. Um, not yep, happy yep. about it, but uh, the Band-Aid's been ripped off. Um, <laughs> do you think they should have given us the Wolf Dream tease to soothe animal-loving souls this season? No, no? you think well, it's good to leave it like- loss. All right. It just seems like, um, I, I, I think the only problem is that the first season finale, which we acknowledge, you know, got beaten with the COVID stick, as I've seen it put, Um that that had too many fake out deaths. And obviously this is a canon one and this is exactly as it should be. But I just wonder if it won't, if people will be annoyed after uh, all the stuff of like Loyal and uh, Uno and stuff last season. Um, I don't, I don't think so. I don't consider this a fake out death because Hopper did die. Yeah. Hopper will just introduce a new plane. That's true. That's you know, true. that's not, that's not a fake out. That's, that's a new piece of lore that we've okay. already had teased anyway this season. Right, right. Okay, no, that's that's fair. And I, I'm very, I, I guess maybe I'm just like, as much as we can get all the dreaming stuff, um, the sooner the better. That's just my general <laughs> philosophy. <laughs> yeah, the dreaming stuff is is certainly one of the most unique parts of the Wheel of Time and, and something that I think is the strongest part of it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It, it makes it stand out. Um, yeah, and we got also another thing that makes it stand out is Age of Legends, and we didn't get to see any Joe cards this time, but we got to see uh, some sympathy for the devil. Uh, lose, I'm oh, sorry, lose locking up uh, Ishamayo. Um, Let Lily lick lollipops, and yeah, yeah right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Lose locking up. Yeah, that was cool. Um, it did. They really leaned into the whole these people were friends. And I think that's actually an aspect that's not that emphasized in the books. But I think I, I do think it's a strong one. You know, they talk about later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, did Luz end up turning his friends to the dark with his behavior? And they do make him look like a bit of a jerk in this scene, you know? Yeah, like he, yeah. I guess on the one hand, he doesn't, he thinks that if he kills, if he locks, he's just arrogant. Yeah. And I guess we know that he's arrogant um, and he thinks that he can keep him locked up forever. And that's better than taking mm-hmm. the risk of what Ashamaya will be in his next life. Right. He he thinks he can make it the last, last battle. Right. And he it, just can't. And I and I think what, what Rand has over Luz in the end is that he submits to his role right in, in the wheel. And, uh, and, and he understands that he, this will happen again, but for now it's enough to solve the problem for today. It does make me wonder if maybe that's, you know, it's a blessing that he wasn't raised. Uh, Rand wasn't raised. Aiel. He wasn't raised mm-hmm. in the palace. Um, he ended up being adopted and raised in a small backwater town. And maybe right. that made him more humble. Right. And by a really kind man, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. By by a man who taught him balance and kindness and, and humility, you know, like you said. Yeah. And it's funny uh, that Lou said um, that this seal, not even I will be able to break. And then, you know, cut to last season finale, ran breaking that very seal. <laughs> I guess Luz himself didn't break it, but it's yeah. basically the same. Yeah. It's yes. He's a nice Sedai after all. Yep. Yep. He is. Yeah, and and so we also got, um, speaking of Forsaken, we got some more teases of Lanfear's talents. Uh, We got a more direct look at traveling, and it seems she's one of the ones, it's a talent in this universe to be able to detect 
that a woman has power without her channeling. Yeah. So, so can I ask you, Rafe was on, I, I see people dissecting Rafe's comments right. on Twitter, how he's saying, oh, there was a really important weave in episode seven. What, was that traveling? Was tra- Is that what you were saying? That's what I thought. Okay. I think you- that's right. I think that, uh, that Lanfear knows how to travel. Yeah, well, we saw her, you know, she's, um, she calls, she channels in the ways, and Rand's like, watch out, you're going to call out Mashin Chin, and she's, Mashin Chin, whatever, however you say it. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and she's like, uh, well, actually, I have a better way to travel, I just can't carry this extra dead weight, and then they disappear, so. Right. Right, yeah. Um, why did she drop them off just outside Falm, though? Yeah, I mean, it does. I do have like some minor quibbles with that. It it goes back to your whole question of like, why did it have to be Moraine? I don't know, because uh, it's best for the audience. It's someone they know. And that, yeah, that was just a convenient plot point. Like, let's, she, how did she know that Moraine needed to be X amount of distance from foam so that she could, you know, raise that dragon at the right time? Right. Yeah, I mean, I could understand not wanting it to be Rand because you want him to still be hesitant to be the dragon. Right. But wouldn't it have been cool to have it be like Egwene, you know, somebody who knows okay, him and is but starting Egwene to accept. But Egwene was busy. Egwene was yeah, busy. Yeah, yeah. She was All tied right. up. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we also got uh, as far as book book changes, book for uh, foreshadowing, um, book direct uh, adaptation i don't know we got the we got an ashandaritis where I, I thought that was clever where matt you know tied the dagger to a pole um so, yeah yeah definitely but it is interesting that fane seems to be able to just handle the dagger freely so i guess this must be telling us that the corruption is deep in his soul because we see this dagger just absolutely slice through everything else and and corrupts like send that black goo all over the horn box later yeah, yeah. I, I was a little bit peeved by Fane seemingly having no effect from the dagger. I, I mean, I have to. That was so pointed. It has to be on purpose. Yeah, the, the Ashindare. How are, how are you saying it? Because I, 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 I heard Ashindare in the, the, book, the audiobooks. I, but honestly, that's probably correct. Well, you, you have the audio. We'll, we'll find out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll find out because they've they've also changed things from the audiobooks too. So who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a cool way to sort of bring that in earlier, but also have it linked to the dagger. And right. Um, I kind of like how Matt gave him the wound. I think that was cool. Yeah, that was an ugly wound. I mean, that that was uglier than yeah, I it pictured it in the books, which honestly it's good. I, I mean, you know, bad, but right. Uh, it appropriate. looks evil. Right. Yeah. 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 You can see like uh, that's going to hurt him forever. Yeah. I think that um, they did a really good job portraying that and and portraying that, you know, he was healed, but he wasn't. And uh, that's that's going to be a, a recurring thing. And I think they should keep in where, you know, like Alana, Alana bonds him and goes, how do you live with that pain? You know, how, how do you live with that on a daily basis? Right. Right. And I believe that looking at that wound. Yeah. Mm hmm. Um, so to assuage the fears of, of book fans, do you still think we're getting the full dagger heel, the fight with, uh, the Trekhand brothers and the Finns? Okay. Um, the Finns, yes. 
Okay. Because you you need the Tower of Midnight. Or yeah, or, I mean um, that would be a silly thing to skip. Yeah. Um. The the Gowan fight. Um. I hope. I hope, and I think there's a possibility there because we haven't even met the characters yet. Yeah, I think starting season three would be perfect. They have to do yeah. tower stuff. What was the third thing that you asked me about? Oh, about, is he going to be fully influenced by the dagger? Oh, healed by it. Just like, yeah, get oh, that dagger out oh. of here. Um, I don't know if they're going to heal him again, because I think that they should make that triumph meaningful, his resistance to it. Okay. Um, But I think that the eyes said I should lock it up. I think that dagger needs to go away a little bit. Yeah. And then, yeah, I, I think that they need to resolve... Um why pain didn't react to it but i have to assume that's being set up because they made it so clear like this dagger is poison to everything and everyone except this mm-hmm. man yeah yeah and and Fane does have it long term in the book doesn't he mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, he gets it back from the eyes to die and kill yeah. somebody and yeah we haven't even seen him start to really go nuts yeah uh, yeah i love unhinged Fane. i think actually mm-hmm. i think he's underused in the last few books yeah and I mean, I, I like the idea that he was being set up to be the next Dark One, which is my, the theory I subscribe to. Okay. Um, like, if Rand kills the Dark One, right. then Fane would become the Dark One. Interesting, yeah. Um, but other than that, I think he was kind of wasted in the last few books. So hopefully they do something more interesting with him in the show. Yeah, and I've seen this actor uh, play Unhinged in other shows, and he's really okay. up for it. So Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um. Speaking of unhinged, we we saw a little bit more sadism in Nynaeve and Egwene <laughs> than we have in the books or previously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nynaeve especially was just so dark and tortury. And yeah, I mean, you you know, in the book she's so uncomfortable with being a Sulam, and in the show she's like she's like more mm, power. Yeah, more exactly. Power. Yeah, the Egwene thing that made sense to me because, you know, where do we see her unleash? We see her unleash in the White Cloaks who tortured her and Perrin, and we see her unleash on the Soldam for obvious reasons. So Absolutely. The, yeah. But Nynaeve, I was surprised by. I don't know that I didn't dislike it. I just, you know, I was like, okay, going dark. Yeah, I think that first of all, I, I've said that I I like the idea of Nynaeve flirting with the darkness as an easy way past her block. Mm-hmm. And I I think that this might be a hint towards that, or at least hinting that there's some kind of darkness within her, which I think there is, yeah. even in the books. I think that she has an anger that doesn't lend itself to the light. You know, she, you know, even even when she knows for a fact that Moraine is on their side, she just wants some weird revenge against her. Yeah. Until yeah. like the until basically she's presumed dead. I I personally did not see that in the books, but since you had said that previously, I did think about you when I saw that. I was like, well, yeah, this is definitely showing that, yeah, that's obviously more there in the books because, you know, um, the the people who are writing this, uh, you know, Sarah and Rafe, they see that too, obviously. Right. Yeah. Right. So I'm I'm all for that change. I think uh, you do not need Rena. Just kill her. Fine. Um, you know, she shows up later a little bit, but it's not I think, very meaningful. Yeah. I, show only fans, I think, are going to love that she goes out because she's obviously earned a lot of hatred. But the only thing is it it means that um, it's not necessarily exposed to Suroth that um, that the Soldams can actually channel. Yeah. Um, I do like that they did that. Um, I wonder who's going to know though, because everyone's dead, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. 
So I, I, it becomes a secret. But then also, like, the one who finds them is Alwyn, and she uses that as blackmail to become Suros' voice. But she's already Suros' voice in the show. So, mm. I, yeah. I, yeah, I can see they're streamlining, but um, that makes me wonder if that's going to be a card that they play later to yeah. reveal yeah. that. Yeah. Well, because you have the mat with Tuan, too, um, where yeah. he's like, hey, you can channel, dude. You got to stop with this slavery thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, I, I like that Egwene saved herself. Um, you and I talked about that previously, privately. But um, I, yeah, I think the breakup next season is going to be so awkward, especially with we find we saw the Randallane meet cute here. What did what did you think of that? Um, <laughs> Guardian Angel. Yeah, that was yeah. that. Was, it was fine. It was fine. It was kind of cheesy, but it was fun. I really like. He's like, "Who are you?" And she goes. Uh, Elaine, like, like, why are you even asking right now? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to save your life, buddy. I'm the person who can heal. Yeah. Right. Right. She seemed almost like offended that he asked. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. She was really coming off as the nice girl in comparison to the others this episode. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what was up with the, okay. So she got shot in the leg with the arrow and I understand you don't want to pull the tip of the arrow out, but why was Nynaeve pushing the feather fletching through her leg as well? Because whoever wrote that scene didn't have first aid training. <laughs> I have to say, um, my mom and I were disagreeing about what Nynaeve said after that, because, you know, we don't have subtitles and the sound mixing isn't the greatest on the screeners. Um, and so we had to rewatch that pushing the fletching through the leg several times as we tried to rewind and figure out what she was saying after that. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was fine to have her, you know, have this injury. It was, it was slowing them down and yeah, yeah. added to the dramatic tension. Yeah. Yeah. Fair, fair. Um, yeah, we, we finally got the full makeup between Moraine and Len. Um, now the unmasking ceremony was lovely, very elaborate though. And it made me wonder, you know, are Alana and Maxim doing this every time before they fight or have sex? What was that unmasking or was that rebonding? Was the bond like severed for some reason at some point? I don't Could it have been severed? I don't know. I don't know. I it it seemed to me like it was bonding again. Okay. But I don't know. I don't know. It You're right. I don't have like any reason bonding, to be like it's Yeah. yeah. Also, they were absolutely going to make out like in 10 more seconds of being together. A lot of lot of tension there. Yeah, we didn't get a a naive makeup, but actually I didn't even think about it until like I was halfway through the second watch. Um, Yeah, we got that nice naive scene earlier in the season, and I'm happy to wait for season three for more. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think it was a slow burn in the book. Leave it a slow burn. Yeah. So speaking of the masking thing, though, did you have you heard this whole Maxim is a dark friend theory going around now? Um, I have not. In season three, while they're all like in the courtyard of the palace in Kyrian, Maxim is leaning and he is fiddling with a hand and he sticks his thumb through his uh, two fingers, four fingers. And in the books, that's a dark friend sign. And I went back and watched it today and two people clock that he's doing that and kind of like make a half eye contact with him and those two people are Viren and Joya hmm. so I'm yeah uh, to me this is uh this theory is gaining traction yeah and is is Maxim gonna die now at some point and and he, was he the order that died for uh, a lot well, of yeah. the book uh, I mean he it was, was a different right? name they called him Owen but yeah oh right 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 it's it's basically the same or Owen whatever yeah 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 and um yeah, and and also the another question about the bond. Um, 
they seem to indeed be able to re almost read each other's minds because Moraine says, you're thinking about Lanfear. Yeah, and I, I, I think that's a mistake to make it that deep mm -hmm. because it cheapens who is a dark friend. Yeah, um, but maybe that's why Maxim's been actually hiding the bond with uh, Alana the whole time. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And uh, but yeah, I, I wish they left that for, you know, the twist of, oh, if they bond each other, then they could read each other's minds. Right. Right. That's true. That would have added an extra layer. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Something something that I always liked about the Wheel of Time's magic system is that it gets built upon throughout the series in a very natural way. And that was a very natural evolution for me. Right. Right. No, that makes sense. Um, but I do like how they set up a parallel between, um, you know, having these besties back in the day, Lanfear, Shamael, Luz, and having the modern, uh, these, just like these kids today, as Lan says, um, and the implication that Luz turned his old friends to the dark side. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that, I think that's just a Shamael's interpretation, but I, I like that tension that that creates. Yeah, I agree. I agree. What do so we we kind of talked about it uh, offline, but what did you think of the Turok duel? The fact that it was it wasn't even really a duel. Yeah, I think it was fine. I think it was fine. I I you said this on Discord, but basically, Rand is not as practiced in the show on sword fighting. It would have been kind of silly for him to win a fight against a true master swordsman. Right. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't kind of fake it. Um, but yeah, and the only survivor is Aki Kutabe, who, by the way, is also Diego Obvious in Solo Silo, and he sort mm. of committed a dagger seppuku, which looked horrible. Yeah, and and that's something from the books too, right? Yeah, it just shows how brainwashed they are. Yeah, but yeah. I I know you were you were less happy about Ingtar. You were saying <sighs> Ingtar just made me mad. Like you you could have just had him you know, explained to Perrin for like 10 seconds because they set it up earlier where he's like, oh, you don't know why so, why this person yeah, did this. Yeah, I thought this. that was it, such a nice setup, yeah. You had, yeah, it was completely set up. You needed a 10 to 20 second conversation with Perrin. And then but it was then done. They, but then they gave us the opening instead, which to be honest, it was nice to see the opening, but if we could have had that minute more of time, if that's what it comes down to, then I would have taken that. You're not on cable. We could have made it another minute longer. I, I yeah, don't understand. I, There's I no excuse understand. for that. It's not even like something that requires a budget, right? It's not an expensive piece. It's a piece of dialogue that you could do in the alleyway. Right, right. And I, I mean, I wonder, it feels like they probably cut stuff out. Like we know that uh, we we know that they cut out that min uh, vision. So we have, we got a spoiler in the, the do not spoil section for episode seven. But let's not even say because they're going to, if people... <laughs> Um, actually, no, because it's not going to happen again, right? Well, no, because now it's already the right, actual right, right, thing. Right, Min right. had a vision of Ishmael dying. Right, right, right. So, and now, now that's happened. Yeah, so you're right. Okay, let's 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 say it. Yeah, yeah, and, and maybe that's uh, Rafe Judkins, the showrunner, made an allusion to there being a deleted scene having to do with Min's vision. So I'm assuming it's that. So, um, but yeah, I, I just I wonder. If they cut things out of this episode too, yeah, yeah, I th I think probably, um, and I understand the need to do that. These are long episodes, but yeah, 
I also I think that people are too sensitive about that. I mean, like, look at Stranger Things. People were praising the fact that some episodes were less than an hour. Some episodes were 90 minutes. It's people want the story to be told the way it wants to be told. Right. And and The Last of Us, same thing. You had a 45 minute finale. It had a 90 minute opening episode. Right. I, I don't. In the era of streaming, you do not need to be as cautious as you needed to be on network television. And I don't understand why we're still playing these kinds of games of, oh, we got to cut this here. Like if if it is dragging, if it's dragging, mm-hmm. if it feels too long, fine. But I don't understand how something like Ingtar needs to get cut. You know, that's something that that's fascinating, I think. And that that adds a whole like people we love and people we trust could be dark friends. And also the other question of if you pledge yourself from the dark, is there a way back? But uh, yeah, yeah, I do find that that interesting. And it was good to, in the books that we got his redemption arc, but I am wondering like every episode has pretty much been an hour and six minutes. Exactly. So that makes me wonder, is there a, a certain limit put on it from, I don't even know what. From a CEO entrepreneur yeah. born in 1964. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Anyway, um, so we also, but we did get, find time to get another glimpse of Bail Damon. So I'm excited about that, obviously. And we find out that Celine sold him the Queen DR from her own broken seal. So she was like either setting him up or setting Moraine up. Yeah. And that's, that's a great question, too. Like, why, if she wants Moraine dead, why does she bait her back in? Yeah. Yeah. She she seems to like to toy with Moraine. Maybe it's like a cat toying with a mouse, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, and it's funny that when she finds Bale, he seems to be like looting from some vendors while the battle's going on. He's just like quietly <laughs> yeah. taking some stuff and putting it yeah. in his bag. Yeah. Bale's um, sliminess has always been fun. Yeah. And I guess he's still just like waiting on the boat instead of for the Wonder Girls. He's waiting for Landfair. So I'm right, guessing right. next season they just have to pick up the same day. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Um, they definitely could. And I would be fine with that. Yeah. I'll be happy. Um, and I just want to shout out Landfair was wearing a really cool d- piece of jewelry, like a, ja- a dragon wrapped around her ear. I don't know if that has any more symbolic m- a meaning other than obviously her attachment to the dragon. But uh, I, yeah, I have a similar piece of jewelry and I like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Cool. Um, yeah, for Suroth, now they... Ishamayel said to her um, that he she needed to get her strongest... Um, her strongest channelers, her strongest Suldam and Damani out to the ships. And obviously that was to, to shield Rand. Um, Mm -hmm. And, but it did make me realize that we still don't know her motivation for joining the dark side. So I'm very curious what that's going to be. Uh, Yeah. I love that Matt shows up. And first of all, I think he should have recognized loyal because they did meet before he didn't go through the gateway. But um, and and obviously, you know, gear is memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I was personally quite happy with the whole horn sequence. What did you think? Yeah, I thought it was good. I I at first I was like, ah, why are they solid? But then when they were doing the effect of you know the blurred motion, I thought that was cool. That was a cool way to do it. It was unique. Yeah. It wasn't just standard ghostly fixtures or whatever. And I like that they slow mode everything else to like give it a breather, give a moment. Oh, you like the slow mo? Uh, my mom didn't, but I liked oh, I, it. Oh, I hated the slow mo. I thought okay. that I thought that it just 
overused slow-mo is like one of my pet peeves and that might just be a me problem but it just like makes you go yeah. all right can we get to the next thing all but right. this was okay. literally like a mystical effect of the, it. This wasn't just doing it for visual effect. This was an actual thing happening in the world where Matt and the heroes were moving in real time, but everything else slowed down so that we had a moment to register what was happening and interact okay. with these new faces. I still hated it. Uh, fair, fair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it didn't ruin it for me. I'm just yeah. like, I, I just don't like the effect. Okay. No, fair. Um, I love the variety of the heroes' looks, though. We definitely saw Amarasu and Arthur and um, what looked like Brigitte or Brigitte. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't know. I did not love her look, but I think it was just a bad wig that they would hopefully okay. fix. Um, and next yeah. to her was Uno. And since he's next to her, I'm wondering if that he genuinely could be a reincarnation of God Arcane. Yeah, I think that that's very possible. He is pretty ugly. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But no, I think he fits the description that we've enough, yeah. heard, right? Yeah, he's gruff. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I hope so, because that, that's a nice thing. And and we find out that Matt himself is a hero of the horn, uh, which makes sense to me because, yeah, that's why he has these this old tongue in his head and everything. Man, but I I uh, I kind of don't like it. That's, okay. that's one change. It didn't like I didn't hate it, but it kind of bothered me because one of my favorite humorous moments like the one of some of the best humor in it is in the last battle when matt's like am i one of you and one of them yeah. goes i knew it i knew you were gonna ask and it just like <laughs> left ambiguous and i love it <laughs> okay yeah i actually that would have i since you brought that up previously that would have been a great interaction to have with arthur hawking yeah right that would have been great in this episode even yeah mm-hmm. yeah exactly exactly yeah, and we we got that cheesy speech from Loyal, which, you know, I kind of have to giggle at warmly, where he's like, we are all heroes of another age, legend. Yeah, yeah, a little um, cringe, a little bit cringe. Yeah, but I guess it's, I mean, I guess it's explaining like the Uno Matt thing, but I hope they just really do lean into it. Uh, I don't know. I, I think Matt needed his his thing and being not just the one who happened to blow the horn, but being tied to it in some way, I think is mm-hmm. a nice touch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, yeah, uh, about the, we also got a reference to, uh, there's a prophecy above the watchers, shall the dragon be proclaimed, bannered across the sky in fire. So that was nice that it was actually literal fire. Um, mm-hmm. But, and I liked, how uh joffrey or sorry what's his name geofram what's how do you say his name joffram joffram yeah jeffram yeah anyway uh daddy bornhold uh he's <laughs> <laughs> may he rest him don't peace. have to worry about him anymore yeah yeah i i love that whole sequence by the way with hopper and then you know i i was cheering Perrin on to kill him after that and then you understand his son sees it and that just sets everything up perfectly mm-hmm. uh but we also got, even though he was a nicer one, he's still talking about prophecies or just the lies of long dead witches. So he's just as biased as everyone else. Um, yep. But he says something else interesting. He talks about how they got a please uh, to come and help from the watchers on the waves, which in the book is called the watchers over the waves. And maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I was wondering if like the fact that they're on the waves could mean that in this turning, that'll be like a special um hmm. function of the sea folk maybe yeah that's a good call and we also got i missed it the first watch but on the second watch i i uh, avienda did say did proclaim the karakarn because oh, of yeah. the dragon yeah. banner 
no, I noticed that right away. That's uh, that's pretty fun. Yeah, that's pretty fun. We got the the name drop. Although, do you think she got convinced too quickly? I mean, it was I, I missed it the first time, so that was really like uh, came and went really quickly. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. miss it, especially if you're not you know attuned yeah. to knowing what that yeah. word is. Yeah, um, I think. Um, oh no, I mean, do you think that she oh. got convinced too quickly? That he was a car carn. Yeah, although maybe maybe you can say. She's not convinced. She's just like, I finally found the sign I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I think she was looking for specific things. And if they're laid out for her, I'm fine with that. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Do you know, do you know, David got spoiled for him? He said this on our podcast that Avienda is a lover of Rand. Oh, no. How did he find out? He Googled her and I told him, stop oh, Googling the names. <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Um. And yeah, I hope the Len stands who have been complaining this season are happy to see him go full warder this episode. Mm-hmm. He was he was pretty badass. He fought off the entire, you know, platoon of death troopers. Yeah. Yeah, and and yeah, and then they left us with the setup for next season is all the Forsaken are loose, Moggy and all. Um do you think who do you think we'll see next? We've had Grandel and Samuel both name dropped. Mm, I think that Samail with I think we'll see Samail because we still have to see Gowan and Galad and I think that it would be a good way to introduce them like they're coming and mother's been hanging out with this new guy and yeah I think that would be I think they'll put Samail in Robin's spot okay okay yeah I could see them uh, totally uh, merging them um, yeah and I still wonder if we're going to get Samarej or if we do get Samail and Robin yeah I uh I kind of hope that they merge them because like I don't know I'm, I I don't need Robin and Samel Robin's barely in it Samel yeah. is kind of boring yeah <laughs> all right and uh, how long do you think until we get Morden and do you think it'll be Ferris Ferris or a different actor I hope it's a different actor not yeah. that I don't like Ferris Ferris but it it should be different it should be a different vibe um and it, what vibe it are you be... looking for. I, I always thought it was like young sarcastic man. Okay. Whereas Ishmael is always it's like older, wiser, forsaken. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean this yeah, Ishmael is definitely, you know, he was ready to die. He was depressed, um, a little tongue in cheek. Uh mm-hmm. I hope, yeah, Moradin should have a new verve for life. But yeah. I wouldn't mind if it was Ishmael or if it was Ferris Ferris with like a different hairdo. <laughs> Ferris Ferris in a wig. Yeah. Yeah. Um, make him blonde. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I like how, cause Morden like helps Rand a little bit. He's mm-hmm. not as like, you know, he's very long game rather than, rather than Ishmael. Who's very, right. like, let's just get Rand out of the picture right now. Right. Right. Let's just end this all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, well, all right. Yeah. I mean, overall, I guess, you don't seem that unhappy, if not as ecstatic as me. Yeah, no, I liked the episode, and I'll, I'll make that clear in the main episode. We haven't recorded yeah. it yet, but I, I did enjoy the episode. I think that I would have made some decisions differently, but I, overall, okay. it did the job, and overall, it wrapped things up nicely. Again, I, I don't think it was quite as good as the last few episodes, but it mm-hmm. was it was still very good. Yeah. Okay. No, that's fair. That's fair. I, I can't wait uh, to see what happens when this comes out tonight. Yeah. And finales are hard. So I, yeah. I have sympathy for the writers. You got to tie up everything nicely, yeah. but without tipping your hand too early, it's it's hard. Yeah. And it's not something I know how to do. So yeah. I'm here in my office chair just, you know, <laughs> complaining. 
So yeah, and and I liked it a lot. You know, this season I think years is an better than last year. Yes, this season yeah. is an accomplishment, especially after last season. So yeah, you and I will be talking at length on the season wrap. I think it's mostly going to be you and me. David's just okay. going to come in for a brief bit. Okay. So wow. uh, let's save our season thoughts for then. We can break the wheel then. For now, yeah. Let's let's leave the wheel running for one more week. <laughs> let let Rand be the one who turns the wheel. <laughs> All right. See you, Alicia. <laughs> see you. Good night. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions, feedback, and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all our episodes at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities.